Hey, welcome to the 203rd episode of the Random Podcast from Heck. My name is Tony, and this is the podcast about random things in the world of entertainment, which includes movies, TV shows, and comic books. Big shout out to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are huge supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. And if you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. And we are in the midst of just starting, started last week, uh, of uh, West Coast Avengers from the 80s, 89, I believe, uh, Vision Quest. So this is a story that g- gave some inspiration to WandaVision, if, if you watch that. And it's John Byrne, cl- classic John Byrne's uh, w- awesome West Coast Avengers. So I'm looking forward to re- revisiting all this. So you can listen to that. And other times I talk about movies, like I just talked about the CG Resident Evil movies. There's three of them. Everything so you can listen to all those if you become a patron. But if you can't commit to monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash gman for mech and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or three. And that is ko-fi.com slash gman from heck. All right, we got a lot to talk about this week, and I'm actually I'm I'm cut, I was going to talk about uh, Fear Street Part Two, but I'm, I think I'm going to have to actually bump that because there's just so much other stuff, you know. So we got Rick and Morty, Legends of Tomorrow, The Flash, Superman, Lois is is back, final episode of Loki, Bad Batch, and then uh, some other things. Just uh, even though I know you could read all this, but in case you just downloaded and you're listening, we're gonna, I'm going to talk about Gunpowder Milkshakes. That's a Karen Gillan movie on Netflix, and there's like a bunch of other people. It's an interesting concept and everything like that. So you'll hear about that. I wasn't sure if I was going to make it this week. I did uh, go and see Escape Room Tournament of Champions. That's a sequel to the 2019 Escape Room, which I did like. And I I talked about that on the podcast. And I guess the main feature is going to be Space Jam A New Legacy. You'll you'll just get my my kind of hesitance there. So there's there's a lot, lot to talk about. But full disclosure, because I like giving you full disclosure my stomach is killing me i got this it's not that i have to like i'm gonna have to run you know get up and run out of the room i know that's too much information but i just got this stomach pain and at first I was, when i got up this morning uh full disclosure full full fuller disclosure i'm recording this on a, on, a, on a weekend and not that it matters because i'm in summer break but when i got up i was like man my stomach is killing me and i wasn't sure if it, <laughs> i did a stupid thing uh as i was watching space jam last night <laughs> I decided I'm going to have some Pop-Tarts. Actually, what I wanted, I I was going to have some taco Dorito chips, but I think uh, someone ate them. (laughs) So I was like, maybe I'll just have some Pop-Tarts. I just wanted some snack on, even though it was was like 11 o'clock at night. And I was like, I shouldn't be eating this late. So I don't know if that did it to me, because then I just had stomach pain, you know, going to bed. And then I woke up, my stomach was still hurting. And then I didn't eat for a while because I was like, man, I don't think I can have breakfast because my stomach hurts. But then I was getting to that point <laughs> where I was like, I was like, maybe my stomach hurts because I'm, I'm hungry, which doesn't make sense. Maybe it's a different stomach pain. <laughs> so if this is your first time listening to podcasts, welcome as you listen to my, my stomach. So anyways, long story short, because this is random uh, podcast. So, you know, talk about, about random things here. Is uh, you know, I get distracted, and long story short, um, my stomach kind of hurts. So I'm gonna do my best to give it my all, like I always try to do. But man, I don't know what, what's going on. I, yeah, I, I thought I was I was hungry. I ate and I was fine, but so so hopefully you won't hear any like grumbling. But it's like, dude, I'm not hungry. 
So anyways, four minutes and we haven't even talked about the news yet. So what do we have to talk about? Um, I'm can't re- I lose track of what I talked about last week and this week and I'm getting old or just what, whatever, you know, different times when I record, I don't always record on the same time and, and everything, but a Deadpool and Korg. So Deadpool, is this Deadpool's official introduction to the MCU? Deadpool and Korg do like a, a reaction video to the, the free guy trailer because Ryan Reynolds is in it. And also Taika Waititi is in it. Taika Waititi does a voice of uh, Korg. So uh, some people are like, no, it's it's not official. But I don't know. I mean, I I don't think Disney, I don't think Marvel, Disney, whoever would would so lightly allow this to happen for some silly little little clip. Maybe they would, but it it just seems. And I know Free Guy is Fox, and they you know even joke about it in trailer that this is just like one of the remnants that from 20th Century Fox before Disney bought them. But I don't, I don't know. I mean. I'm fine with if this being an interaction. I mean, it makes kind of some sense in a way. It, it's silly. It's dumb. But that's what you would want and kind of expect with, with Deadpool. So I thought it was kind of funny. I, I like what they had to say and like just a little, little comments. And I, you know, I'm curious how much was scripted and how much was ad-libbed, if any. So, but that that, that was, was, was fun to watch. Um, speaking of Karen Gillan, so as I mentioned her before, um, I just, I didn't really think about it before that, that Karen Gillan and is going to be in, in Thor Love and Thunder because I knew uh, Chris Pratt was and it makes sense that the other Guardians would be as well because of how Endgame ended and, and everything like that. So she, anyways, speaking of Karen Gillan, she says that she wants to keep playing Nebula after Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. You, she, so this is according to Hollywood Reporter. She uh, really, I just did a little burp there. I don't know if you heard it. Excuse me. <laughs> I probably won't edit that out. Uh, she she talked. She mentioned that you know after volume three, you know she she loves a character. You know just uh, everything about her and everything like that, and how it's like such a departure from her and everything like that. But James Gunn and uh, um, Batista have said that volume three is going to be their last you know time or whatever. But you know she's like I'd like to keep doing it, and I think that that's cool. And this this kind of goes along with what Kevin Feige was saying before. Um, I think I mentioned it last week. Like I said, I don't remember. Where they're not doing these long-term contracts, you know, multi-picture deals, they they want to have people who are excited to be in it, and you know, she likes the character, she'd like to do more, and you know, I I don't know what the the filming time period is, um, so you know, it's not like uh, she can't do other things, you know, obviously she did gun uh, which gunpowder milkshake and you know other things, so. I think that's cool. I, I think that's great when you have you know people who who want to keep doing it, and it's pro- I'm sure it's it's a nice paycheck, and uh, you know you. I, I think the the more you do, to an extent, the more um, negotiating power you have, because if you know you become a popular character, people want to see more. Like Chris Hemsworth, people you want to keep seeing him as, as Thor. So, and you know he likes doing it. So I'm sure it's just a combination of it. So I, I think that that's cool that you know she wants to keep playing the character and i like i said i'm i'm all for that i don't know where she would turn up next but you know that that could be interesting um while i'm I'm trying to hit all the marvel news uh loki the director of loki kate heron so minor not really spoiler here you know i'm gonna talk about it obviously i'm gonna spoil everything later but you've probably heard it by about it by now there is spoiler going to be spoiler a Loki season two. 
That's all we know. But Kate Heron said that she's not going to be back for season two. She's like, I just kind of, you know, I just came. I just was just looking at just doing the one season and that was it. And, you know, she wants to work on like some of her own something, you know, indie or whatever, her own thing after this. And but who knows? You know, I would say never say never. And, you know, I'm sure if they came up with some and I don't know what what it deals with if they're like, hey, if you want to do this, you need an idea. Or maybe if they're like, hey, we want to do this. Do you have any ideas? Or, you know, maybe she might think of something or, you know, maybe there'd be like a. You know, hey, here's some money. You want to do this? And so we'll see. Um, but I, I think, I mean, I love the series as a, as a whole. And I, I think that, you know, she she did a great job. And and so I wish her luck to whatever she does next. But if she does do more, um, I that would be cool. So we'll have to see about that. Okay. And again, I'm trying to hit all the Marvel news instead of just jumping around. Uh, there is going to be... Uh, so if you're into the Hasbro Marvel Legends figures, you know they're 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 pretty cool. You know I I, I like them, and you know, they're twenty bucks each, which you know th- that adds up. You know twenty dollars plus. So there's going to be a large Galactus. It's not quite the scale, but it's pretty pretty close to scale. It's actually bigger than the the Sentinel that they made. Uh, I don't remember if it was a, a couple years ago. I I lose track of this. So they're they're doing a new Galactus, and this this is through uh, Hasbro's Haslabs, if if you're familiar with that. And a lot of these, it's, it's sort of like a Kickstarter thing where you know they're like, okay, here's this this concept figure that we want, or this this item, you know, and it's this is usually for like the bigger form things. I think they did like the Mandalorians, um, Mandalorian starship or whatever. But basically, it's like, okay, we need backers. We need you to guarantee that you want to buy this before we start making. And then, you know, once we we get a certain number, and then, it's, you know, they'll, they'll start adding more bells and whistles, like more perks or, you know, more additions. Like, okay, if we reach, like, stretch goals, basically, is what, what I'm trying to say. If, you know, you do this, we'll add this new this figure according to whatever, this and that, and stuff like that. So they want to they wanna do a Galactus figure. They need 14,000 backers, which... um. Kind of seems like a lot, but maybe it's not that much. I mean, it is a lot when you when you think about about the money. Um, last time I checked it, when was the last time I checked? It? I, I think there was like over sixty six hundred, and it, you know it was going pretty quickly uh, when it was you know first announced. So will they be able to get fourteen thousand? I think it was limited to five per, per household or per person. So you know people are going to be buying these and trying to sell them because that Sentinel goes for some some nice money on on eBay, but. The price, I don't think I mentioned the price, it's 400 bucks. So I will not, as much as I would love to have a giant Galactus, I I, I can't spend 400, I can't spend 400 bucks on it. So that's the unfortunate thing, but it, it'd be cool if it's made. It's just, when, you know, I, I watched some of the live stream announcement uh, when, when it happened and, you know, they're talking about like, you know, for this is for the fans. It's like, it's not really for, the, it is for the fans, but it's also for people who are going to buy it and sell it. And is there anything wrong with that? I mean, I guess not really. You know, if, if they have the money to, you know, put down more power to them. It's it's just, you know, they're buying it in, in the hopes of flipping it for later. And I, it is just supply and demand. So there's nothing wrong with that. If they, you know, if they put it up for twice the amount or whatever, and if someone's willing to pay that, so that's, their, that's their problem. It's just... It just stinks when people. Sna- I mean, at least it's limited, so it's not like 
they're preventing, you know, they're, they're buying it from someone else. Cause right now, you know, there's obviously there's still room to back it if you really want it, but sometimes you miss these announcements and you know, you, you miss out when it came up and I don't know, but that's just, that's a, a lot of money for me. So it would be cool. And I hope to see it in person at some point, but, but yeah, so that's, that's all I'm going to say about Hasbro right now, but it's, it's cool. And, and it, I think it's really exciting that they, it's cool that they do stuff like this. It, it does show that they care that they have, you know, cause when they're, they're talking about in different things that, you know, they they have the people working on this they get the characters and and that's what's awesome and i think that's why they do such a good job and why sometimes they make like the most bizarre random figures that are so incredibly awesome so you have all, all that okay going over to dc uh did we know that star girl is getting a third season i i i don't know um if if oops i don't know if if we knew that or not because uh, apparently they're going to be uh, uh, already. They already started season three. They already started working on it. That's pretty cool. Um, I like I said, I, I had no idea that they were doing that. I'm looking forward to the new season. I hope it won't won't change at all since it's on the CW. I mean, it, I guess it doesn't have to. And and you know, Superman Lois. You know, I'm 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 digging that. So let, let's hope it continues and. And if more people watch it, that's great. But I liked watching it on DC Universe, uh, you know, so we'll have to see how it goes. Other news, uh, Colin Farrell and the Batman. Now, I'm trying to think. It's been so long. What is going on with my memory? Uh, I'm trying to remember. What do we, we what do we know about him? What is he playing? Anyways, he mentioned that he's, he has like five or six scenes as the Penguin. I think we, I'm pretty sure we knew that he was playing the penguin or Oswald Cobblepot. Um, that's going to be weird, but that, okay. He mentioned that, like, I guess on some podcast or something like that. And I, I think he, he's an actor that he doesn't like really like watching himself on screen so much, but he said something how, you know, he doesn't have that much, you know, in the movie. So he, that means he can, he can force himself through the movie, you know, those scenes and then enjoy the rest of the movie or something like that. So, but that, that's, that's going to be interesting. Um, the suicide squad so uh, I guess the early screenings went out, and uh, there's a lot of praise for it. And people were were gushing, um, saying how it was like super great and super cool, and and all this this stuff like that. So we'll see how it goes. Um, I'm I'm really looking forward to it, and you know I, I can't wait. I always uh I always th- think you know with these early reactions, you know I I know the feeling you know having been there, and I, I'm not there now, which uh, that's fine. Uh, but I know a lot of times, and and I always question myself uh, w- when you have that first reaction. You know, you're you're kind of on that 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 buzz, that that high. You know, having just seen it, and there is part of, of the fact is that you know, knowing it's like I got to watch this early. So you know, you're, you're caught up in that excitement. Not that you're trying to kiss kiss butt or anything like that, but it there that adds it does add to the ex- excitement knowing that you did something that other people can't. And I'm not trying to accuse, saying that's what what people did, but. I, I know there's been, I mean, even other times, like I remember, I do remember when I first saw Watchmen, I really liked the movie when I walked out of the theater. I haven't watched, I don't know if I've watched it. I think I've seen it once since, and I'm kind of curious to watch it again. I maybe maybe I'll do that for a secret podcast episode someday, but it's like, I, I wonder, you know, once you l- let things sink in a little bit and process it. And again, I'm not trying to take away, I, I don't even know why I'm going off on this, but uh, and I'm not trying to say that the movie's not as good as everyone's saying, but um, 
always wonder about that, you know, when you see these early reactions and everything. But I, like I said, I'm looking forward to that. So I think it's August 6th. Even though it's going to be on HBO Max, I'm I'm definitely going to pay to see it in the theater because uh, that's that's how much I'm looking forward to it. So I could sit at home and watch it like I did Space Jam. I was like, Space what? Space Jam? But we'll see. Um, other news, what we have. Um, Why the Last Man? So I'm. this is something else I'm excited about. So far, tentatively excited. Excited. I'm, I'm hoping it's, it's going to be really good. They release a, a teaser for it. It's there's you don't really see much. It's like an animated teaser with like a voiceover talking about how like within a day we you know lost half the population and it's giving some stats, which is kind of interesting. Is like you know 85 percent of CEOs and whatever percent of airline pilots and you know stuff like that. So um, you know it's I I, I love that series. I, I such a such a great series, you know, sixty issues, boom, so so good, and and I came on onto it late, so I read it through the trades, and I just remember devouring the, the trades and everything like that. So that comes out on September thirteenth on FX and Hulu, so you can definitely watch that. So I will definitely be talking about that as it comes on. Doctor Sleep Filmmakers are going to be. I don't think I talked about this last week, but they're going to be adapting to something is killing the children. Um, Netflix possible movie or series. It's got to be a series. Uh, so this is a, so something is killing children. As you know, is a James Tynan comic. And um, I forget, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on, on the artist. So I apologize. I think that that's cool. I Dr. Sleep. I have some issues with it. But I think I did overall enjoy the movie, and then you know watching the extended cut was was interesting and everything. Actually, I, I bought it to watch it. I I, I really dig the comics. I'm I'm really enjoying like the, the the current like the flashback look. Oh, it was also announced that they're gonna do like a spinoff comic as well. Um, so read the trade if you haven't been reading something is killing the children. You should definitely check check those out. Antonio Banderas. I'm I'm trying to jump around here is going to be in Indiana Jones 5. He just joined that. So that that's that's cool. We just saw him in uh, Hitman's wife's bodyguard and it's like cuz when I saw it it's like I haven't seen him in a while and, and maybe he's been in other stuff and I just haven't paid attention. So that that's that's cool he's going to be in there. Um there's going to be a Catwoman black label comic and at first I I don't I don't think I got these these news announcements. So at first I was like oh Catwoman black black label okay whatever. But then I was like Oh, Cliff Chang. Chang is, is going to be doing... So, Cliff Chang, he did Wonder Woman, the art in Wonder Woman, the New 52. And I think he, he wrote like an annual or, or it's co-wrote or co- I don't know, something. But he also was a co-creator of Paper Girls with Brian K. Bond. So, he is going to be doing a four-issue Catwoman Lonely City. And again, black label. So, that means kind of like anything goes, mature stuff. And it's coming out on October 12th, and it's taking place 10 years after Batman, Joker, Nightwing, and Commissioner Gordon were killed in a massacre. So it's like, okay, let's see where that goes. Um, another comic that was announced that I, I somehow missed the announcement of this is uh, Tom King is going to be doing a Human Target comic series. And I, I think this is a black label as well. So it's like Human Target. And when I first heard about this, I was like, who asked for this? Uh, you know, Human Target's kind of an interesting character. Not definitely not my favorite. You know, I don't get super excited. You know, it's like, oh, it's Human Target, whatever. You know, he had that TV show which I I, I watched, and it was okay. 
But it's like, okay, they're doing this comic. I think he like his first job, he has to protect Lex Luthor. So it's like, okay, that makes things a little interesting. But what makes it super duper pooper, not pooper, super duper whatever interesting, exciting, is Greg Smallwood is doing art. So I, I love his art. So, you know, obviously, you know, because of Moon Knight, um, you know, that's when I, I, I think that's when I first saw his art. I'm trying to think back. But I, I, I dig his stuff. And I feel like I haven't seen much of him. I know he's been doing some other books that I haven't read. So I'm definitely going to be reading that now because of, of that. Um, speaking of Moon Knight comic, Sam, I'm trying to think. I know this comes out a little early, this, the podcast. Uh, well, I'll just say reviews should be, oh, will probably be out by the time you, maybe when you listen to this. Uh, so Moon Knight number one by Jed McKay. And um, I, I, I'm hoping to write a review myself because I have read it. And um, yeah. Uh, so I love it. I'll just say I wouldn't write a review if I absolutely hated it. I mean, maybe in Moon Knight's case, I'd be like, what the heck are you? But you know, I, I don't do that. So look for, for the, you'll be able to see reviews, um, by probably by the time you listen to this, unless, unless you listen, download the podcast, like as soon as it comes out, like, the, you know, the late wee hours. So you'll be able to see those. And then the, the last bit of news I save this, you know, save this for last, best for last, right? Maybe no, but and there is an early look at Rob Zombie's Munsters reboot, and this is the thing that just just cracks me up. I really like the Munsters, and I have a, I it also holds, a, I mean, it holds a special place for me because I I remember watching the the episodes in like syndication when I was a kid, and then my daughter started watching it just randomly, you know, I didn't like push it upon her. And I found it's like, Oh, you're watching the monsters as you know, I, I was a little, little tiny, you know, ups, not upset, but I was like, I would have liked to watch those with her, but you know, I did watch it, you know, a couple episodes with her, you know, after, you know, she had already started, but uh, so yeah, Rob Zombie's doing a monsters reboot. The early look was just uh, sketches like character sketches, costume designs. So it's like, what do Herman and Lily wear to bed? So it's like you see Lily in her night gown, whatever, and Herman in like pajamas. So it's, it's like okay, <laughs> but it, I mean, it, at least it doesn't look like crazy, um, you know, whatever. So, so we have have that, <laughs> and that um, I believe that is g- going to be everything for the news this week. With comic books this week at Image, there's a few comics I read. Um, so uh, what I, I guess what I'll mention is um, there was a new comic that came out. I didn't check it. It's Man Eaters Curse Number One. Read isn't I didn't read that. It's like a follow up to some other Man Eaters comic which I didn't read. Haha ha, Number Six. It's the last issue came out. So I don't know if people are are into that and so forth. But what I did read was Silver Coin Number Four. This is a, a story. Uh, so Michael Walsh is doing the art and all these, and this is kind of like a horror anthology comic, um, which is ongoing, which I, I think is awesome. Um, this and there, there's a different writer in each issue. I almost said episode. Jeff Lemire is a writer in this one, so that should be like really cool, right? It what a little what I didn't kind of like. It's it's set in the future, and it's a it's definitely an interesting storyline. But I think. The part that kind of turned me off a little bit, or whatever, that didn't didn't make it like sink in totally or connect with me, is I, I kind of would have liked to have known more about this world. And I feel like there's like so much going on, and and you know it's like the future. I, I forget the year. It's as 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 uncovered, but you know you know that things are gonna be different, and you you kind of get a hint of of things. But 
part of me, I, I don't know, maybe I was just getting distracted. It's like, like, oh, wait, I want to know more about this. I want to know more about this. Or like, why is this happening? Or why, why do they have these things? Why are there worms in their eyes or stuff like that? So it was, um, and, and part of it, I mean, we'll, we'll see how it keeps going. You know, I'm enjoying these, like these, um, like one and done, you know, these self-contained stories, but part of it is like, I, I feel like maybe, I mean, we'll, I mean, we'll see how it goes as, as the issues continue, but sometimes I wonder if if that's enough space for it, and I, I it's good to just you know get to the point, tell the story, and get it you know give it some closure, or whatever. But I think part of it is um, I just I want to know more. I don't want it to be stretched out and you know drawn out to be you know like four issues or anything like that or two issues. But I think it just it didn't really. I was like just too distracted with some stuff, and I was just like, okay, then that that's it. So, but it, I mean, it is interesting, and and I know that's not really a good praise or anything like that. But it it, it is a good series, so I am enjoying it. Just just it wasn't my favorite issue. Doesn't mean I hated it. Is is what I'm trying to say. Um, six sidekicks of Trigger Keaton, number two. This comic, I I really dig this comic, and I'm so glad I read the first issue. And part of it is, I think that that name is just. I was just like, what? I gotta you know check that out. You know, I I try reading the the the. The issue number ones at image, you know, or, or at least see if there's anything that I might find interesting or hopefully you will find interesting. So basically what, what the premise is here, there's this actor dude, like action actor guy. He's just a real jerk. I mean, no one really liked him. And, and uh, the six sidekicks are basically different people that had worked with them like over the years, you know, kid actors or whatever. And you just stump people or, and so like that. I don't think actually, I don't think they're, they're not stunt people. Because uh, that's a whole different area, but he, um, Trigger Keaton gets killed, and uh, so the, the some of the sidekicks are like he was murdered. You know, they're they're trying to look into it, even though he was such a jerk, and you know everyone hated him, and it just kind of goes from there. Some people like don't want them to look into it, and uh, it's just I I'm just really digging this world that has been created and these characters, and you know you see like bits of the show or movie or whatever that you know he worked on with one of these sidekicks and uh I, it's it's just it's really interesting and i i just love the art and the colors and uh so i i do recommend this series you know you should, you should definitely check this out because i find it very intriguing um then there's skybound x number two so um yeah i'm reading this mainly because of rick grimes 2000 so it, it continues and uh things so basically it's like uh aliens were involved or you know were, were responsible for the zombie apocalypse and it's really because they wanted earth's water so they you know they they set this up as a destruction or whatever and uh, you know the first part you know in the first issue rick grimes wakes up in an alien ship and he comes out and he finds like uh some people who were dead are, are were brought back to life um with some enhancements or you know whatever so it's just it's such a bizarre concept but i'm totally digging it but it's like we're seeing some people's like wow that that person's dead uh but i guess they could maybe come back <laughs> but it's just it's just such a, a a weird story um there's also uh Stillwater story and um the the synopsis says it's a debut of a major new Stillwater character. So this is uh, the thing that kind of, hmm. So it's like, you know, I, I really like Stillwater. And if you're reading that comic and you don't read this, 
you're probably not going to miss a whole lot, but the fact that there's this you know piece of the story out there that you might have missed because you're not buying this this Skybound anthology book or whatever. <sighs> whatever. I guess that's just how it goes. There is a, a Birthright story, which I, I just kind of skimmed through it. I didn't want to read it since I'm so behind on, on the, the Skybound or on the, the, the Birthright story, but you have that. And then there is a the first appearance of Everyday Hero Machine Boy who's getting his own series. And um, I thought that was okay. I, I might check out when the first issue comes on. It's basically this little boy robot who is, he's a hero. You know, he's, he's a good, good guy. And we'll see. Um, yeah. I, I wasn't like totally blown away, but it, it's interesting enough that I, I may check out the, the rest of the series. So, but you might want to, you know, check out the, like I said, for these, these kind of, you know, if you like The Walking Dead, you know, especially if you've read uh, Birthright, if you're reading Stillwater, you know, you might have to pick these up or, you know, just look for spoilers, I guess. I don't know. Um, over at Boom Studios, Eve 3 came out, Eve number 3. I don't know if I mentioned number 2 because I don't think I read number 2. I actually, I, I just read 2 and 3 this this past week. So Eve is is a story of this little girl who wakes up in this from this like virtual reality pod thing, and uh, there's like this talking teddy bear that was like waiting for her. It's like her childhood teddy bear, but it's really this like robot AI that um, her dad made put in this form that would be you know something kind of familiar to her and reassuring. So she's uh you know she leaves the pod and she's you know ventured across like the the flooded sea of into like New York, I believe. And, um, then she, she finds there's like this group of kids which, um, is kind of the, the way that the second issue ends, but there, you can see them on the cover of this issue, but there's also like these, um, sort of like, kind of like zombies or these other people that are out in the world and they, they cause they've been infected by this virus and these kids, it's, it's, it's weird because they're like, you know, they, they help her and, you know, like they give her some strawberries that she's never actually had in, in person. And, but they're like, you can't stay here and everything like that. And it's, it's just, what is going on here? You know, there, there's like some, some dark stuff. And, and then there's a question like, is her dad still alive? Cause you know, he was up in the satellite and everything like that. And so it's, it's, it's an interesting story. And, uh, um, this, this robot bears, uh, you know, her like protectors can get pretty vicious and <laughs> everything. So, you know, you, you want to be careful with that. Um, seven secrets. Number 10, this, uh, is a book that wouldn't really make sense for me to explain if you haven't been reading it, but you know, there are these seven secrets and they're all different natures. And, um, one was unleashed and, and basically spoiler destroyed all of, um, what was it? Switzerland. I, I think, and, and you know, it's it supposedly the secret is is responsible for the destruction of Atlantis or whatever. So, basically, this organization they try to protect these these secrets. You know, there there's a there's a they're not a handler. I mean, now I'm totally forgetting. So there there's basically the person who protects it, and there's a person who. Um, who carries the secret or it's like in a briefcase or whatever. And, you know, there are other factions that are trying to get their hands on these secrets as well. And, and you know, there's just this big war, there's betrayal within the organization and all this stuff and people dying and stuff like that. And some people coming back and uh, it's, and the, the whole weird thing is like the kid that's been like, you know, kind of like the main character who has been narrating this whole thing while also appearing, you know, he mentions that he, he dies at some point. So it's like, what does that mean? It's like, you know, how, when is he going to die? And if he's dead, how is he narrating all this? So it's just, it's a, but it, it is good. It's, it's, um, you know, Tom Taylor and, uh, 
it's, you should be, you should definitely be reading this. Um, so yeah, it's, it's issued. I know there's a the trade first trade is out already. Uh, Danielle D. Nicuolo does art. It's really good art. Um, I'm, I'm really, really digging this. And I think, uh, rich for, um, <laughs> I, I felt bad cause I wasn't reading, but rich is like, you should be reading this. And I was like, yeah, I should be. It's Tom Taylor's like, how am I not reading that? So it's a uh, good, so you should be reading it too. And then, um, I didn't read anything at IDW GI Joe. I see someday I need, I either just need to start reading, you know, just jump in, but GI Joe real American hero 284 came out. Oh, let's see. This is Murder by Assassination Part Four. There is that big, like I think it was like an eight-part series that I, I missed. I was like, I gotta go back and read that. So now here, Murder by Assassination Part Four. So I need to, I need to get caught up on, on that sometime. If you're reading GI Joe, A Real American Hero, let me know. It's like, is it is it really good? I mean, obviously, if you're reading it, you're you're, you're probably digging it. But um, I haven't been reading it, but I want to. At DC Comics, what we have this week, we had... Um, so here's where my confusion. <laughs> um, Action Comics 2021 Annual Number 1. I think I talked about that last week. I don't know if it got pushed back to this week or if I accidentally... Re- I mean, because sometimes comics do get... Because I remember like uh, Spider-Man Unlimited, I think it was issue 2, was released early and then... Then uh, it was pulled off the app and then put back on there. But if you had downloaded it already, you had access to it. You know, it doesn't disappear or whatever. So I don't know if, um, yeah. So, so anyways, uh, Action Comics, it wasn't my favorite issue. You know, it, it's uh, basically this dude telling stories like of the House of L, the future of the House of L. So it's like, are you making this stuff up? But then it's like, well, maybe he's not making it up. But you just see like stuff that happens, like the the legacy of the House of L and other, you know, these other characters. Supergirl is mentioned or is mentioned. You know, she's she's there, and you know, she, but she's not like the center of the story. But you see these other people, and it was okay. But I just you know when when there's so many comics, you, know, you I, it's just hard to to say yeah you should get this you know when you're you know if you're trying to pinch your not pinch your pennies or whatever but you got a budget i mean it's totally understandable so it was interesting but yeah i mean i i hate to say it i wouldn't say it's crucial uh batman the detective issue four so this is continuing so bruce wayne is uh charged for the attempted murder of henry henry ducard so that means you know he wasn't dead uh last last issue because you know so this is also um tom taylor and andy kubert is is doing the art so this is like kind of in the far off future you know we have an older uh batman here but what's what's uh interesting is there's this this group that's basically killing all the people that batman has saved over the years which is kind of nuts you know like they they arrange things so all these people were on this plane and they you know they basically hijack the plane and cause it to crash to try to kill everyone so you know now bruce wayne is trying to figure out what's going on and um and yeah so it's a i'm I'm really really digging this then there is a batman urban legends with this uh this is an anthology book we have red hood so i'm i'm really digging this this story it's chip sadarsky um eddie barrow's um 
Eber Ferreira and Dio, Diogenes uh, Neves do the art, but Marcus Toe does like the flashback art. So it's like there's so much. The, the visuals are, are great, and uh, it's um I, I I really like this this uh, just Jason Todd story and you know Batman's evolved and you know I don't want to go into details. I've probably mentioned it before, but but yeah, it's I'm, I'm enjoying that. There was a Batgirls story by Marguerite Bennett and. Um, Sweeney Boo does the art. That was a that was an okay story. Um, I I, I love the characters, and I would totally read a Batgirl series by Marguerite. Um, I I think she would nail it. You know, I think she would do a, a great job with, with that. There's a part two of three of a Tim Drake story. So this is by Megan Fitzmartin, and um this this it's it's an interesting story here. And then uh, there's a grifter. This is part five of five. This is by Matthew Rosenberg, and Ryan Benjamin's doing the art. And um, it's just like so. Grifter is, you know, I there's something about about his character. You know, he's he's a, definitely an interesting character. You know, from Wildcats and everything like that. I I like what Matthew Rosenberg's been doing here with like kind of like loose mentions of of Wildcats and uh, and just Grifter is like he's. He's not the most likable character, but that's that's part of like his charm, I guess. Whether you want to call it his charm, but uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm I'm enjoying that, and uh, so you should be definitely checking that. So this, uh, this as far as this book is basically what I, what I'm trying to, to get at is uh, it's there's it's good stuff. I would say like usually most of the stories I like, and there's one that I'm like, oh, this is just okay, it's it's fine. Uh, you know, I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily buy the series just for like one particular story, but I think there's there's a lot of good stuff here that makes it worth it. And uh, I like the idea of you know being able to tell other stories, you know, with, with these these characters. So I, I think it's it's cool because you know there is no Batgirls comics, there is no Red Hood comic. Um, besides for the, the Future State one, but I, I think it's 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 good that we have this. Okay, then we have a. Uh, Batman uh, Detective Comics, and um, this I think is a was this a conclusion? So there's just like this, we find out more about this vile dude, <laughs> this this villain, and uh, we we see like his sort of like his origin, his past, and and you know he's been gr- grossly killing people the way he's he's done it, and then uh, there's more that this Mister Worth guy, which he's he's a bit over the top i think and um and then there's stuff with like huntress it's, the, the synopsis says don't do not miss the epic issue that leads directly into the batman secret files huntress special so that that's cool i i thought if it, it seems like it's it's kind of an odd choice having uh huntress here compared you know why i mean barbara gordon is being oracle uh you know why isn't it like one of the Batgirls or is it someone else? So, but I, I'm not complaining. I, I like the fact that it is Huntress. I, I think it, it makes things interesting and I, I've, I've enjoyed seeing um, her in here. So it's like, I'll definitely check out that uh, Huntress special. And then um, there's also a backup story that goes more into about the vile character. So you have all, all that. And then um, we also had future state isn't the future state gotham number three so this is like that the manga style uh jason todd um story where you know he's he's hunting you know he's he's basically on a mission from batman but no one knows that because no one knows that batman's alive and you know he's acting as like he's working with the the 
the police, you know, hunting down mass vigilantes. So people are angry with them. And, and he has like kind of like a run in with, uh, the next Batman. So there's definitely some, some cool stories, um, here. It's one of the, one of the few things I like about future state, you know, there, I didn't, wasn't super crazy about future state as a whole, but I'm, I'm enjoying this. Then we have infinite frontier issue two. So, um, there, there's more stuff going on here. So, um, what's her name? Cameron Chase. And I keep wanting to say Abby Chase, Danger Girl. So Cameron uh, Chase comes to the Justice League. You know, she wants to talk to Batman, Superman. And, and, you know, obviously she knows a lot of stuff. And, you know, she's going about... She's basically talking to them about how they they knew about, like, the multiverse and, the you know, about the Batman who laughs and how people have a right to know that, you know, they're they're keeping all this stuff secret and and stuff like that. There's more stuff with um, Flashpoint. Uh, Thomas Wayne, you know, so he's with President Superman, and uh, Magog shows up, so it's like they have to deal with them. There's also more stuff with uh, Alan, Alan Grant, Alan Scott. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. Alan Scott, sorry, with with him and his kids, and then there's more on on Roy Harper. So there's a definitely um, the Roy Harper stuff, which I I don't want to spoil. And there's also Captain Adam, but the Roy Harper stuff is a uh, is really interesting is what I'm no idea where, where they're, they're going with this, but I'm, I'm really in, intrigued with that. There's a justice league last ride issue three. So this is a, the story by Chip Zdarsky and um, pencils by Miguel Mendonca. And this is kind of like uh, justice league in the sort of like future, you know, s- stuff happened you know, Batman and Superman are mad at each other because of the death of one of their members they have to um, protect Lobo. They have to protect him. So they're basically on Apocalypse, which is like deserted now, but um, other stuff's going on. And it's it's an interesting story. At first, I was like, oh, okay, whatever. But I'm I'm getting hooked into you know seeing like what what's going on. Rorschach issue ten. I'm I'm really not sure. Like I you know keep saying that you know I I don't really know where this is going and 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 stuff like that, but. Um, the pieces are, are coming together as to like the assassination attempt and everything. So we're getting all information and, but I'm just like, okay. Um, then there's uh, the flash annual issue one, this basically, so this, this it's weird that it's an annual and you know, it always bugs me when, when they, they do this, but it, this concludes like the Wally West story that's been going on where he's been, being bounced around uh, the timeline through the speed force into other speedsters bodies. And uh, he ends up in the heroes in crisis and in, in himself and during heroes in crisis, right before everyone dies. And I thought they kind of sort of lightly redeemed him a little bit when, when they, they mentioned that reverse flash kind of sort of influenced him to, to do something dark because that's one of his abilities somehow, which I never remembered hearing about, but there is more to it than that. So there is some redemption for Wally West. And, um, but what's weird is, uh, as you know, it's right before everyone gets killed. And when they're zapped out in the field outside the sanctuary place, uh, Roy Harper is, is kind of like, um, aware of what's going on and they actually talk and, and then Wally confesses, he's like, I'm, I'm from the future. He's like, you're about to die and, and I'm responsible. And Roy's, 
I mean, it was it was kind of nice because it also gives closure to to Wally because you know he's like he's like, dude, we're heroes. It's what what happens, and you know we sometimes bounce back from it, so it's not a big deal. And he's like, I know you would never do it intentionally, so I don't blame you. And so it's just like, oh man, you know all that. But it's just weird because somehow Roy Harper is back uh, in, in the Infinite Frontier with the timelines getting rebooted or you know whatever restarted and or the multiverse and. So, it, but it was weird seeing Roy there, and it's like, is he going to remember this conversation? And uh, what's Wally going to find out when he sees Roy from Infinite Frontier? And although, is it a Roy from another Earth? I don't think so, but we have all that. So it was okay. I mean, it was an interesting ending. Um, but yeah, so uh, basically, spoiler. You know, Wally's all ready to retire and everything like that, but he's like, no, I got to keep doing this because he's a hero. So. We have that because, you know, we all want Wally to, to keep going. Um, Wonder Woman 775. I'm still just kind of skimming through this. Um, um, it was also, I forget what, if it was Infinite Frontier. I think it was Infinite Frontier. might have been Cameron Chase. Like, hey, and where's Wonder Woman at? And so she's still <laughs> in her whatever adventure thing here. Um, and then uh, Joker issue five. This was a weird story because it was all Francis, Francesco Francavilla art is like a flashback i mean it was, it was an interesting story it's basically the first time joker was sent to arkham and commissioner he was a captain uh james gordon he's just like we can't lock him up here you know he needs to be you know he's gonna escape and you know he's he's like obsessed with him and at the cost of like his family and stuff like that and you know because he was supposed to i think it was like his anniversary maybe or, or something and oh there's also they they got a tip about like some deal going down and and he told Harvey Dent that he's like, I'll be able to get, you know, Batman to, to help us and, you know, be there. And, but he's just like, so obsessed with, you know, watching over to the Joker and, and, uh, and Joker is just being like creepy Joker and manipulating Joker. And so I, I, it was, it was an interesting story, but it just seemed weird. It's like, it's, I'm assuming it's a filler story for whatever reason, but, um, it was, a it was, cool to this to see this flashback story or whatever at um marvel um aliens aftermath came out i actually didn't read this um this is a i i i'm not sure why i don't know why i didn't get around to reading it but it's not continued from the regular um the recent aliens comic um it says for Aliens' 35th anniversary, return to Hadley's Hope. It's been 35 years since tragedy Hadley's Hope colony and what happened to the ill-fated adventure have been shrouded in mystery. Renegade crew. Of, so I, I guess there is a, a connection to it. Um, I should read it, but I feel like there's there's just a, a bit of um, alien stuff that I'm just not familiar with or I, that I've forgotten. So I don't know. And and I think for me, it's um, while the art is good, it's just it doesn't feel right because it's it's drawings instead of live action aliens champions issue eight is continuing with um they're trying they uh, the champions trying to infiltrate roxon as uh, interns because you know they have this uh what's it called this some app that's trying to get kids you know access kids and you know they're trying to do bad things obviously because roxon is evil and uh so Sam didn't. So Sam and Miles are supposed to go undercover, but Sam kind of didn't make the cut. He was he was gonna get let go, but then he's like, I can get Kamala Khan, 
And, you know, they want her because Kamala is the face of the, you know, Kamala's law and everything like that. Kamala didn't want to do it, and but she was kind of reluctant. So there's, there's a little um, argument there that, you know, Sam shouldn't have done it, but he's like, well, I didn't, you know, you, we didn't get asked. You decided for us to do it and stuff like that. So she kind of walks out and they're still trying to infiltrate and trying to figure out, you know, what, what's going on and trying to get some information and everything. So it's, it's interesting. Excalibur issue 22. So I'm I'm enjoying this. So now Merlin is back, and um, just this is just bringing back like memories of like the Alan Davis, Chris Claremont, um, Excalibur, and everything like that. So Saturnine, um, she's just she's so wicked and everything like that. So um, there, there's some some cool stir stuff going on here. Um, I did not read Extreme Carnage Scream, so I'll just say that Iron Man issue ten. So this storyline is still going on. Tony Stark kind of disappeared and he ended up like on this other um, planet and, you know, he's not really sure how he got there or anything like that. And there's like other people there. There's kind of like all these people from different planets and stuff like that, that are basically stranded there and they seem content with what's going on. And, you know, he's trying to figure out like what, why and everything like that. There's someone else from earth there, like a villain who's, who's kind of turned over a new leaf um, I, I guess I won't. It's still, man. I just don't know um, how I feel about this story arc. And, and you know, as, as I've said before, I really like this Iron Man series when it started. I just don't know where it's going now. And it's just, it's so, so bizarre. And that, like, he kind of has a relationship with Patsy Walker, which is kind of cool, but just seems random. And now he's out on this other planet. It's like, is he going to stay out there? And obviously not, but... It's just it's just a, a, a little weird, I, I guess. I don't know. Sinister War number one came out. I thought this was okay. Um, it uh, it's definitely important. It bothers me a little bit that this is happening outside of um, Amazing Spider-Man. That you know, again, you're forced to read this. I, I shouldn't complain because it means more Spider-Man, you know, comics and more, you know, gets the story going faster rather than having to wait and whatever. But again, I'm trying to think about people who are aware of their comic budget and everything like that. But what we do have here, it's the premiere of Mary Jane's movie, the movie that Mysterio directed that Peter didn't realize that because Mysterio posed as just like this regular director dude. And of course they get attacked by uh, the other, um, they're not the Sinister Six, the Savage Six. So like uh, Vulture and all those guys, they're, they're mad at how Mysterio has portrayed them in the movie and everything like that. And then, um, so Spider-Man or Peter does find out like what's been going on and everything. So, um, and then also Doc Ock shows up because he wants Mysterio to be in his new Sinister Six and everything like that. So there's a bit of stuff going on there. There was also Spider-Man Spider-Shadow number four. So this is the What If book. This is by Chip Zdarsky and um, Pasquale Ferry and uh, Phil noted as a cover, I think. Um, basically, it's, it's a what-if story where Spider-Man kept a, the symbiote suit and became corrupted by it. And uh, he ends up like killing, he's killing people and uh, his, his identity was released. So people are after him. He got rid of the, the, the symbiote, but where we're at now, it's a, basically taken over Baxter building and Reed Richards. And, you know, so other people like human torches mad at him. He's like, we, you know, Reed told you to get rid of that and you kept it on. And so he's trying to go in there and Mary Jane's like, like, you, you know, she's at his side trying to help him. She ends up going in there too. So, you know, there's, there's that added, uh, 
danger going on. Spider Woman issue thirteen. So uh, you know, so Spider Woman has like information about the high evolutionary, you know, downloaded and stuff like that. But then someone breaks into her apartment to to steal the the disc that has this stuff like that, and uh, so she's ticked off that they're attacking her house while her her kids there and everything. And but it turns out the person had no idea whose house they were or whose apartment they were breaking into. So she kind of reveals it, which seems kind of silly. So it's like, are you going to move now? I mean. I don't know how, I mean, her identity is pretty kind of a secret, I think, but it's not like a super secret. I don't know. So she's like trying to, um, so she ends up, uh, her babysitter or her friend comes over. So she's going to watch her kid because Roger's, um, his name is Roger, right? Because um, he he left and she's like ch- chases after this. And then there's like another, and then another, and because she ends up having to go to, to Hoboken and she's, you know, there's all these jokes about that and everything like that. But you can see on the cover, Lady Bullseye is there and, so it's just like this kind of spiraling chase and everything like that. So it was interesting. Uh, I, I did like that to, to see because some of the, the previous couple were, I, I liked the, the issues, but they were just okay. So it's it's kind of like ramping up a, a little bit more for me again. Then there's a Star Wars Dr. Aphra and uh, number 12 and then Star Wars Ward Bounty Hunters number two. I haven't really been reading Doc. Oh, I haven't been reading Dr. Afra. I haven't read it, read Dr. Afra in, in a while, but I read this because it was a tie in of Ward Bounty Hunter, which is the reason they, they do stuff like this to get other people to, to, to jump in. And um, so it was kind of, you know, I, I was a little intrigued with what was going on, but what must be annoying for other people is Basically, a lot of what, pretty much what happens in issue 12 also happens in Star Wars War to Bounty Hunters number two. Same exact dialogue, you know, different perspective on the conversations and stuff like that. But it's a a lot of repetition and there's a little bit of expansion, like what happens after. But I mean, so what's going on is they're at at this like gala for like the the Crimson Dawn and, you know, they're going to auction off Han Solo, Frozen and Carbonite, even though it was stolen from Boba Fett and... Um, so we do see, I think it's more, um, cause in Dr. A- Afra, someone approaches her about, you know, knowing who she is cause she's in their incognito and, you know, obviously people can't know, you know, she's would be wanted. They, people would not be happy if they saw her there. Um, so someone approaches her and you know, it's, it's Boba Fett, even though they don't say in a Dr. Afra in Ward Bounty Hunters, you see how he goes about, he's wearing like this cloak or whatever like that. And. Um, so you kind of get bits of it. it. It is interesting, but it was just weird. It, and I kind of like when they do it because it shows that there's some coordination. But it also it's it's just kind of weird that you're getting more than one panel where it's just like the same exact thing. And it was it was it was like it was a few panels. Like I don't know exactly how many, but it's just kind of weird where you could have gotten by without reading. Dr. Afra, but I guess it was kind of interesting. I mean, I guess I'm glad I did read it because, you know, it was nice to see a little more of her. I, I like the character, but for what I, I think it was just like too much to read. And I, I just, I ended up dropping it and I don't know, maybe I should, maybe I should start reading her, her again, her comic. Uh, you know, maybe this is what they want p- people to do. I don't know. Thor issue 15. So uh, it's an aftermath that, you know, everyone's celebrating, you know, after the the battle against Donald Blake and and all that. But Thor is just like really bothered and and everything like that. And um, like Volstagg says some stuff and he like kind of goes off on him. Um, And then we will see that Thor is losing um, his worthiness again, which is like really again, because, you know, he's having trouble with Mjolnir. 
And then there's there's a really interesting part that I like. Um, so I really applaud Donnie Cates for for this conversation because he goes to Earth to, to talk to the Avengers, and and first of all they're like in the middle of this battle, and he's just like they're like oh we're a little busy here because he's like he's like uh, Captain Rogers, I want to talk to you, whatever, and he's just like okay, and takes them all out uh, with his lightning and everything, and um, but yeah, he so he's losing control of Mjolnir, and, and um, Captain America finds out like in a, a harsh way. And but Thor also mentions how his perception of time is different from theirs, and he you know he says something about how you know being immortal or having whether he's immortal or not you know having lived thousands of years or that every time he sees like it's like the last time he saw them it, it's like trying to remember what you had for breakfast a year ago, you know so he's like that's why I'm always so happy whenever I see you guys and that totally makes sense that you know because a lot of times Thor seems kind of oafish you know he's like just you know this muscle bound, you know, do for whatever, but it's like, no, he's not. It's just that, you know, he hasn't seen these for, for him. It seems like it, it's been a while. And, and I'm, I'm trying to wrap my head around the, the whole time thing is like, does that make sense? You know, that, but I guess if, you know, if his time is so stretched out that, uh, like, um, whether it's, it's, uh, a day or a week or a month, you know, that's going to be like nothing compared to his lifespan. So I, I really like that conversation. I, I thought that was a re- really cool um, the, the, just to see that it's, it's like, yeah, it makes total sense. So again, um, applause to, you know, Donny Cates for, for that, um, way of X issue four. Um, so I keep saying like, like, Oh, this is a, this is my least favorite you know, X-Men book or whatever, but this one has Legion. And I just, I don't know what it is about Legion that I just, um, just, uh, but also, you know, with Nightcrawler, and I always like Nightcrawler, but lately I just I haven't been super crazy, especially what drunk, annoying Nightcrawler at the the Hellfire Gala. But there's like stuff going on here, and um, I don't know. It's just it was an okay issue for me. I mean, I didn't love it by any means, but I guess there's some important things going on. You know, some character development. There's some stuff going on with Cortez. Which is like, man, that that I never liked that guy, and and you know we're not supposed to, but like some, some stuff that he does, which um, he he needs what's coming to him. Um, but then there's like a, like a conversation between uh, Legion and Professor X, and they they kind of um, lay things out, and things uh kind of have an explosive uh conclusion to their conversation, which is like, geez. Then there's X Core number three. I I like this issue more than I have the first two. My problem with the first two is, um, I think my main problem is, while I'm okay with the character of Monet, you know, I, I like I like her in Generation X and seeing how she's like, kind of evolved a little bit since then. And but she's just um, she's just kind of annoying, and it's it's not that she's annoying, you know, she's very headstrong, she's very determined, um, but she does see herself as as being superior to other people, and I guess that's what I find a, a little bit of annoying or of annoyance. So she and uh, Warren are kind of running this X core and you know the business side of everything like that, but I I feel like it's like man with uh, the people out to get them or anything like that I feel like it they they should be a little more careful but then it's like well they're X Men you know they got powers and things don't don't quite go according to plan for Monet I'll just say but we also what I really liked is there's a lot you can see in the cover there's a lot of Jamie Madrix in here and and you know we just he is such an interesting character you know like creating these dupes having them go out and he, they can learn things because then when he reabsorbs them he absorbs their knowledge and everything like that um 
just a, a fortunate thing happens uh, to one of his dupes that he, Jamie's he's supposed to do something but then he's like the dupe's like well I'll take care of it you know for and then I'll come back and he's like make sure you come back but then it doesn't quite go so well and um so yeah they're they're and as as far as the business they're they're kind of being sabotaged and uh there's some stuff with like the Strucker twins and everything like that and uh while Monet and, and Warren you know they they feel like they kind of they they kind of get knocked down a, a peg or five so it maybe it's a good thing but it's it's just it's not good for them like what happens Whew. and uh that i believe that's everything so that's going to be comics for the week so like i said i kind of high note i, I liked x core more than i have in the past okay now rick and morty rick dependent spray this was a okay episode so i now after what i said last week about noticing how you know things have become kind of heavy and the, the sexual jokes you know sec- whatever we we kind of get a little more of that and i'm trying to think back is this like been an ongoing thing is this uh because i know it, it's always happened here or there but it doesn't seem like it's been such a heavy emphasis like we have like basically the whole you know plot of the episode surrounding a certain thing which is kind of like what happens here um, and I, I get, you know, okay, we're talking five uh, seasons now and, you know, always trying to create new things and try to be shocking or, you know, keep things going and everything. But it just, I don't know if I just haven't really been aware of it before, but it, it's, it seems like it's heavier on it so far this season. But maybe, I don't know. And again, I'm not a prude or anything like this episode. I like this episode better than last week's episode, but still, <laughs> I mean, this one is just kind of ridiculous and, and you'll see why. Okay. So it starts off Morty's at uh, the horse hospital where his mom works uh, waiting for her so they can go to movie. And there's like this breeding mount machine in a room that's used to collect material. And so obviously, you know, basically it pulls the semen off of a horse. So he's like, hmm. Then he asks his mom, you know, he's interested in, in volunteering for school, you know, or after school or whatever, because he wants to be able to get access to the machine, you know, whatever. And so a week later, He's very relaxed. Um, Rick is is working on on fighting. You know, he's making plans for these cannibalistic horse people, which they call chuds, because they're like underground. I don't know where they come up with their letters. Um, so he's collected some horse semen from the hospital and is going to test it. Morty doesn't want him to set it, test it. He's like, well, it's labeled. You know, you don't have to do this. And but he's like very insistent. There's an explosion. And then um, what there, there's a result there's uh, because of the the device whatever Rick made in the combination that it wasn't human or wasn't horse DNA or whatever it there's a this giant semen a giant like a uh, sperm with teeth and uh, it's it's basically super monster sperm now Rick blames himself he's like unless there is something he doesn't know uh, but Morty thinks um that Rick knows it's his fault and he's that, you know, he's like trying to test him or what. So it seems like Rick doesn't know what's going on. And, um, and Morty's not, not saying anything. So then the monster seamen start attacking the neighborhood. So the next scene is there, the family's driving through the neighborhood in the car and he, he calls them space sperm and summer wants to know. She's like, <laughs> I have to admit, admit this was kind of funny because I mean Summer cracks me up with just how blunt she is about everything. But she's like, <laughs> she's she's like she wants to know basically how big are space bleep 
you know, to make sperm of this size or whatever like that. And then uh, I think Beth like gets mad at her for asking that, but then she's like wondering the same thing or something like that. They're, the family's about to get attacked, uh, but then this monster sperm, you know, like rips off the, the roof of the car and is about to get them, but then it's destroyed by the government and helicopter because the president wants to talk to Rick Sanchez. So Rick agrees to go along. Um, pres- the president thinks Rick is involved. You see either that or the underground cannibalistic horse people or whatever. Morty goes along with it to the president he's like he's like oh yeah yeah you know must be the, the cannibalistic horse people and because you know rick doesn't want to admit that he caused this explosion from the thing or whatever sort of trying to say it's uh, the horse cannibals or whatever uh then they, they bring in the sperm expert basically what they want to do is they want to go to the, lure them all to the grand canyon for like obvious reasons because i guess the sperm are going to want to go to this grand canyon if you think about it and but the expert has a sample and morty starts sweating uh, Morty shoots shoots the the sample because he's like it had a gun, and uh, you know there's a it basically the sample is like a a monster sperm in a cage or something like that, and they're like how could it have a gun? It doesn't have arms or something like that. But then uh, Morty suggests he's like well why don't you let like or Rick su- suggests that let him someone suggests maybe Morty suggests that him and Rick or Morty that they go armed with nukes after them or something like that. The president agrees, but he's going to send like his best men to go along with them. So they're in a plane with these like other soldiers, and and they they end up getting shot. Some of the soldiers get sucked out. The monster sperm have a catapult, but it's not really a catapult. It's, it's called something else. They're like, don't you know the difference between a catapult? And I forget what it was. So they blow it up with a grenade. One is a uh, one sperm is trapped under a rock, and it senses that it came from Morty because it's able to detect that it came from his crotch or something like that. So Morty ends up, you know, he's off on his own and he ends up freeing it. But then Rick and um, this other soldier guy come with guns. Rick wants to know what's going on. So Morty convinces them to let it go. So the president is mad because Rick went dark. You know, they, they lost communication with him. You know, they think that he's responsible for something. Summer suggests that, they, um, that the sperm probably just want a giant egg. They ignore her. But then the expert says basically the same thing. So the president's like, someone get him a Nobel Prize or something like that. And Beth is like, basically, that's what it's like. You know, the dudes steal the woman's idea and they take all the credit or something like that. And then uh, one of his other soldiers, uh, there's this like meditating guy. He ends up getting killed too. Or so, so like all the, the soldiers are, are dying. But then um, there's apparently somehow a sperm queen <laughs> shows up. They, then uh, they have the, the horse machine there because they're going to, they want to make more or something like that from, from Morty. So they, they want him and Rick's, Rick calls him a horrible person. You know, because he he used machine, but then he basically wants to know how it was as well. So now they have Morty strapped to a table. The machines like lowered down on him, and then uh, the one that he freed, which he decided to call Sticky, busts in, and then there's like this fight going on. So they're uh, the government's getting ready to nuke the cave. Then they they see that uh, several monster sperm are headed to Vegas because of course, what it what happens is they put a giant human egg in Vegas to attract all, all, even though Rick almost had all these uh, sperm, you know, they're ready to destroy them all. I think they were going to nuke them. I think I I don't know if they said the government was going to nuke them. Rick was about to nuke the, all the monster sperm, but then they end up taking off to go to Vegas. So they, they have a, a human egg and it turns out that it's summers. So Morty yells on a radio that the sperm is his. So it's like, you're going to make a giant incest baby or whatever. So now they're like, oh, we can't let this happen. But then the horse people arrive. <laughs> so uh, Rick and Morty are brought to the horse leader. 
he, the, the leader says that Rick slept with his daughter. And so Rick asks for forgiveness and they're like, no, they're about to dip him in this like vat of like some boiling something. But then uh, the daughter, Princess Ponietta, she comes and she says that she loves him. So she demands horse immunity or whatever. And she says that Rick is also the father of the king's heir. So she's pregnant. So basically the king's grandkid or something like that. In Vegas, uh, the monster sperm comes. Um, they're like trying to shoot it. Uh, one has like a bomb strapped to it and it blows up like this barrier. It's, the sperm end up getting through. Beth and Summer jump on a couple to try a couple. They're like basically they're literally riding on the back of these giant sperm to, to try to, to stop them. Rick also arrives now um, since he's ended the feud with the chuds. So the queen sperm is heading towards the egg. Uh, Morty sends Sticky after her, and then Sticky comes, bumps the queen away, and she falls and dies, you know, splatters, whatever. But then Sticky ends up entering the egg, even though they're like, no, 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 don't do it. So Summer wants to blow it up, but then the president's like, says, it's a life now, and it's an election cycle. So he doesn't want to destroy it because it's alive or whatever. So they end up shooting the whole, like, platform thing out into space. He's like, it's space's problem now. So Rick kisses a... the the princess and then she gives birth like right there it comes out and then it like just digs into the ground he's like oh so they they come out ready to go and she's like yeah pretty much that's it so and then she like leaves too so then he takes out a button like one of those that was easy because so he has a this horse half horse cannibalistic horse baby kid but he doesn't have to raise it because it's like self-sufficient and then so basically it's almost like they didn't know how to end the episodes or like, okay, that's it. Everything's solved. And then they make the joke, but like that was easy because everything's solved, but whatever. But then uh, the after credit scenes out in space, there's this astronaut. He's, you know, working out, you know, he's floating out on a tether, opening this panel on a satellite. He's, he's lonely about not having a family, but you know, he likes being out there in space and you know, there's no reminders that the fact that he doesn't have a family, but then a giant baby appears and grabs him off his tether and starts shaking him. So uh, there's a giant incest baby out in space now. And that's how the episode ends. So um, very, very bizarre, but that's just, uh, that's that's how Rick and Morty is going this, this season. So uh, an episode basically focusing on, on Morty's sperm. Okay, uh, DC's Legends of Tomorrow, season six, episode nine. Um, this is Gus. Um this this I didn't like this episode as much as last week. This was uh, I, I there's some important things that that happen at the end as a result, but uh, I don't know. It's just I I think part of it is because there's there's a big focus around Barad Barad who's always going on about like smoking pot and that's cool. You know, it's, it's almost like you know whatever you know. I I have nothing against smoking pot, but. Just when, like, when, like, oh, that's a cool thing, yeah, just old lifestyle, yeah, you know, it's just, it seems like, like, kind of like, hey, kids, you know, whatever, you know, trying to be cool, and so he, um, he, like, gets up, he's looking, he finds his totem, like, under the couch, whatever, his room's a mess and everything like that, and then Gideon tells him that today's his birthday, because, you know, based on the cycles or whatever, so he's 25 now, so he's, like, all excited. Um, they find out an alien pod is gonna land in British Columbia in 2023, so they're going to head there. Rory calls his daughter because she, and she says she needs to see him right now. Um, Zari doesn't know it's Berard's birthday because, you know, they have no sense of time there. But because, you know, they have to go on this mission. So uh, they they joined their totems to bring Nate back or something like that. 
so he's like in a robe because you know he's visiting the other Zari. The, I I don't even I don't even know what the explanation is. You know about the two different Zaris, different timeliner or something like that. Um, Rory opens a, a portal to bring his daughter on the ship, and it turns out she's really pregnant. So because I guess it's 2023, it's her future. Rory's he's like ticked off. He's like I can't believe you got yourself knocked up. But she's like, that's basically what you did to mom or whatever like that. And she also says that she's like, it's like, I haven't seen you in over a year and this is how you act. And she's like, you're still the same. You're just a deadbeat, whatever, you know, deadbeat dad. So it's like, so why, why haven't they seen each other for over a year? So Ava's, you know, she's trying to calm things and she suggests they look into why um, he disappeared from his daughter's life for a year. Because, you know, he would always check in with her, you know, even though he, he's on a wave rider and all that. Berard lights up and... um you know, I wonder in, in British Columbia, he sees like some dude in the back of a limo. He, he's all styling, whatever. His name is Imrod Saeed or something like that. He's from this bud, I forgot what his bud, bud guy, bud style or something. It's like some sitcom where like the guys, he's uh, like a Muslim dude who smokes pot or whatever. It's, it's, it's supposed to be funny. Um, he loved the show, but I think it only lasted like, like two seasons or something like that. So he, you know, he was really into the show. He, um, then he figures that they must have faked the mission to surprise him on his birthday. And they're all like, oh, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, you figure it out. Because they didn't realize it was his birthday either. So um, they got like tickets to like a, a typing, a, a taping of, of an episode. So they're going to go check it out. But then Sarah takes Spooner because they're going to go look for the alien while they go and watch the, the show. In the studio, there, there's a real small like studio audience. Because... I, 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 so even though, so the show like it only lasted a couple seasons but then they just kept re- repeating it became a cult favorite and that's when I guess Berard started like I don't know if he watched it when it first came on or if it was after because I, I forget like what year they're from because I think they're further in the future than 2023 but uh, there's like 10 other people in the, in the audience so then uh, the taping begins or whatever the the pod is uh, it's a, it hasn't landed yet but it's about to appear in the field so Spooner aims her gun and she shoots it in order to prevent it from happening, whatever. But, you know, Sarah didn't realize she was going to do this. So instead of destroying it or doing anything, it goes spinning and it lands somewhere else. So it's just like that wasn't smart. So now they have no idea where it went. The sitcom is like really bad. Um, and I don't know if it's supposed to be really bad or this is just their idea of a funny sitcom. And I, I don't know. But then uh, the pod lands on set. And then this cute pink fuzzy alien comes out. And then like one dude's like, am I tripping or whatever? And then the alien takes a bite out of his vinyl record. He's like, that was a classic. And then there's like laughs and stuff like that. So it's just like really bad. Zari tries uh, calling the, the alien over, but one of the dudes thinks it's just an animatronic um, alien. And uh, the guy is freaked out about there being a puppet and on a show because, you know, like what's going on here or whatever. Then Sarah and Spooner arrive. Sakuri, um comes to shoo them off the set because I guess the taping is over or whatever. And then the, the producer guy, the, I guess the producer is the main guy's brother, I think it was. Um, he figures out that it's not an animatronic because, you know, he's like, who's controlling this or whatever? And it like, kind of like, bites his finger or something like that. Um, Ava is still trying to calm Rory down. Um, so his daughter, Lita, she's studying because, you know, she's still taking class or whatever. And she said that she got knocked up. Or he's like mad because you know she met this guy in this uh, woman's history classroom. He's like, you got knocked up by a dude taking a class for a woman, and then uh, she lists off the other things. She's like, you know, she's a vegan now. You know, there's like all this stuff like that that would really bother him or something like that. And she's like, oh, and I'm not getting married. She's like, we're cohabitating or something like that. So then uh, later, Lita makes herself some food. Mick um, calmly talks to her, and he asks her to tell him about this dude. His name's Nico. 
Um, Nate and Zari talk about the other Zari and, you know, stuff like that. That's something that's going to come with that later. Astra and Barad are, uh, Barad are looking for an alien. One dude thinks that Barad is a new PA. So then Astra um, conjures up a coffee cart. So then now they're in the writer's room and, you know, getting, getting her in there. Sarah and Spooner find an alien eating food. Nate and Zari show up too. Astra grabs the alien, and but then Spooner gets gets like a, a alien, you know, a pain in her head from like the communication or something happening. She says that the alien doesn't like that, and it emits this like super high pitched noise. And then the other bro- other um, brother dude, he comes in and he takes the alien. So on the wave rider, they they return back for a bit. Sarah says that they need a new strategy. Broad shows up. he's now he's like it's weird because he's like totally cleaned up. You know, so it's like, wait, why? Why are you wearing a suit now? You know, why is your your your, your comb your cut your hair or whatever? They show Gary an image of an alien. He says it it must have bonded on a brother, which is why he could pick it up. But it it turns out that the changes in Berard must be because of changes in the show. There's like a ripple effect. So stuff that he so basically the show starts going this different direction, and it has something. Basically, what happens is Brad ends up like not watching the show, and he doesn't, you know, get into you know smoking pot all the time and everything. And he goes to college and gets, you know, becomes this like douchey guy. So um, the, the show is interviewing for the role of a noisy neighbor. Um, Zari, she's like, well, she'll be able to get it, but she ends up not getting it. It's not what they want. But then when they see Nate, the, the, he the, he might have something. So he, Nate's going to end up getting the, the job. Barard tries talking to the, the lead actor about not selling out. He says, you know, he, he, instead of doing, but he's like, you know, he has to do what his brother tells him. Um, then uh, he talks to his brother about what the show is supposed to be about. The brother says the studio is threatening to cancel them. He says, um, but then uh, the main dude, the main brother, he's like, I'd rather have one member of the audience laughing than be a sellout. So he's going to quit the show. Ava is uh, trying to wrap Berard's birthday gifts. You know, she's trying to wrap something perfectly. Lita's looking for her dad. It turns out, because you know, he asks a lot of questions about Nico. And then Sarah figures out that Rory gathered intel to kill her boyfriend. So then uh, Berard, now he's even more suited up and Astra, she kind of likes it. She's like, oh, you know, she's kind of attracted to him now. Um, he tells uh, the brother that they're from the, the puppet union and he he then the, the brother admits, he's like, okay, it's not a puppet. It's going to be the world's first alien TV star or something like that. Sarah, Lita, and Gary find Rory and Nico and um, so they, they see him like sitting next to like this fountain and he's like, is he choking him or whatever? But he's actually thanking him for looking over his daughter when he wasn't around and uh, he says that he was going to kill him but Rory says that you know he wants his grandchild to have something he didn't to loving parents. Oh, he also admitted to being sad over losing Kayla and Gary and Sarah. So Kayla was the alien um, lady that he hooked up with. So he's like sad about and they're like, are you crying or what? So Berard, now he's super douchey now. Um, Zari noticed that he's not wearing a totem. And then hers disappears because he never stole the totem from the family or something like that. So this again ripple effects. So now she doesn't have one. So like, well, what are they gonna do, or something like that? And um, because when when they um when he because when he joined the 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 legends, he stole the family totem or whatever. So now she doesn't have hers. They they grab him, take him on the wave rider. Things in his room are like starting to disappear again. Ripple effect. Gary and Rory, uh, or Gary asked Rory if there were any technic- tentacles involved when he and Kayla hooked up, and he's like, yeah. And then he tells them um to get out so he can, you know, talk to his daughter. So Gary's like, Hmm, you know, he's like interested in this. Zari tries talking to uh, the brother about the show and he's, um, you know, how he, he tried uh, inspiring people by being himself or something like that. More sitcom taping and nosy neighbor, Nate shows up. Then he starts improvising saying that he's actually an alien bounty hunter 
or something like that. Astra chases the main uh, brother dude across the set. The chase brings them onto the set, like while they're taping. Um, they're driving these little like carts, like whatever they drive, you know, like kind of golf carts. They uh, um, end up smashing in into onto the set. The alien goes flying, and Nate catches it. It gets ready to scream to do its like high pitched noise, but then Nate feeds it a gummy. The the brother dude gives Nate some more because they're they're obviously edible. Whatever he gives him more for the road. So Nate walks out with the alien. And then the, then he goes back. So he's like back on set now while they're still taping. He's like, I'm just happy things are back to normal around here. And people laugh or whatever like that. So they were able to get the alien off the show. Um, then Berard seems back to normal. They throw him a surprise party, but they have to be quiet because Gus Gus, the alien, is sleeping. He's like in a baby Bjorn on, on Nate's carrying around. Um so, because he Nate kind of bonded. did I say Nate kind of bonded with it or something like that when he gave it the gummy? There are lots of gifts. There's like you know photos in the album. There's a cake. Um, Zari shows uh, later. She shows the pictures to the other Zari, like you know all the celebrations and stuff that they did and everything. And uh, you know she talks about how um, this other Zari she gave up everything for for him to be there, and then she agrees to let her go and enjoy some cake. So she's like, it should be safe as long as you know there's there's only one. So they're gonna swap places. So um, then we see like Astra, is she still flirting with Berard or whatever? So then the other Zari shows up and then uh, Berard or the other Zari, did I say Zari? I'm losing track. The other, I'm, I'm only like an hour and barely, not even an hour and a half into this podcast. I'm losing it. Um, so the other Zari shows up and she sees Berard, they hug and then Nate sees her and he hands off Gus Gus to Ava. So they kiss. And then um, they bring her up to speed, everything to happen. Ava and Sarah are engaged. Sarah has healing powers. Gary's been an ailing all this time and an alien baby imprinted on her boyfriend. Then uh, uh, Rory's about to drink a beer, but then Gary knocks it out of his hand. He's like, what are you doing? So then he he tells Rory and everyone, he's like, when a tentacle went into Mick's ear, it laid eggs. So basically now he's carrying a brood. And then Lita says, so you're saying my dad is pregnant? And then, then Gideon plays a laugh track at, right at this moment. And uh, she's like, sorry, that's the only reaction I had or something like that. Then Zari's like, wow, I didn't see that coming. And then that's how it ends. So uh, Rory is pregnant. and But the other thing is, is Zari, the other Zari is back. So I kind of like the, the the superficial Zari because, uh, you know, she's she has evolved and everything. But now, you know, it's weird her hooking up with Constantine. That just doesn't really make sense. But now we have the other Zari who's with Nate. So, yeah, we'll see see where where things. And I'm not sure how many. Let me see how many episodes are are left because we only have one more. We have this week's Flash, which I'm about to talk about, and next week. So, um, looking this up, so we have. Yeah, so this week, so as you listen to this, the tenth episode, Bad Blood, has aired, which I'll talk about next week. July 25th is the eleventh episode, Final Frame. Then it looks like there might be a little break. I'm looking at IMDb. Then there's episode 12 and 13, which have titles Board on Board on Board. <laughs> I kind of like that title. And then Silence of the Sonograms, which must be Rory. But then there's another break, and then it just says 2021, episode 14 and 15. So it looks like there's 15 episodes, but I don't know if there's going to be any breaks in between her, but that's what we have. So I'm okay with the show, but it's just... I don't know. I, I guess I can appreciate its wackiness, but sometimes it's just... Uh, I don't know. Okay, we have The Flash, as I mentioned. Flash Season 7, Episode 17. So we have two more episodes. 
Uh, Heart of the Matter Part 1. So it starts off in Central City 2049. Godspeed is running and ranting like a dork. Um, I like I like the look of Godspeed, but I don't know. There's something about his design or just the way it looks. It just kind of doesn't work for me in a way. I don't know what it is. Uh, Nora grabs him with like a speed lasso. So we this, again, we're in 2049. Um, he's like out, but then he was faking or something like that. And then he like blasts her or something like that. Bart comes running in. Bart uh, Impulse. They're Barry and Iris's other kid now. Um, he phases through him and he's like, "Woo! That was that was so crash." And then uh, Nora yells at him. You know, she's like, "You don't realize what you're doing." He's like, "Your molecules could have conjoined with him." And he's like, "Yeah." He's like, "I don't know what that means." You know, because uh, he's just a freshman in college and hasn't learned about physics, particles, or whatever, something like that. Then the Godspeed disappears. He goes to the Flash Museum. So he goes and he uses a cosmic treadmill. They're like, we can't let him get away because we won't be able to find him and mom and dad will kill us. So they decide to follow. So that's why they're in, in the, the present now. So in the present, um, they're, they're, they see August Hart is lying in a med lab and um, he has no speed or memories now. There's uh, dozens of clones you know, out in the city. Chester starts uh, kissing up the Bart right away. He's like, like oh, you know. How that was so cool when you phase your molecules through Godspeed or whatever, and Nora's just like shaking her head, like, dude, that you know, because she told him that was dangerous. Oh, but then he introduces himself, you know, Chester P. Um, what's his last name? Frunk, Runk, Funk. Um, he's a team tech guru, and Nora's like, like we've we've already met. She's like, you're the smartest person we know, and and uh, then they see Granny Cecile and, and Caitlin and and uh, Barry. He's like, oh, I wish Iris was was here to to meet. Uh, Wally, or not Wally, read meet Bart, but Nora's like, oh, it'll be all right. And Nora says that um, they can't um, they can't stay because rule number one to protect the timeline. But Barry's like, you know, maybe you can. You you have to stay. He's like, you know, the God speeds are are recharging in the speed force, so you know there might not be a way back um, to twenty forty whatever forty nine, and uh, it, it might be safer with them in the present. And he's like, you know, maybe you're an advantage that we need. Chester thinks he has an idea. He's like, I went through my dad's old schematics. Um, you know, I could reconvert the atomic mass into neutral voltaic energy cells or something like that. He's like, Pops called it an encryption engine. It neutralizes artificial kinetic energy. Like Godspeed's artificial speed. Uh, and Chester already built a prototype. <laughs> so it's just like, wait, when did this happen? <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like so convenient. Is that happened to that? Whatever. Um, he's, he just needs a, a battery to, to charge the, the prototype. Where's a leg rat? So Barry's watching the kids eat. And Barry's like, or Bart's like, blah, 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 like each eating it at super speed. Nora asks about um, the other Nora, but Speed Force Nora. And an alarm goes off because they're like, oh, you know about her or something like that? They're like, yeah. Um, the alarm goes off. But there's more Godspeed clones. Uh, Bart is excited that the three of them are, are going to go. So then we see the Godspeeds fighting. It's just, and this is a thing that kind of bothers me. It's it's kind of lame the way they do it. I, I obviously they're slowing it down for our our sake because if there are speedsters, they would be doing this super fast. But it's just like punch, 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 like all in slow motion. You know, it's like one punches, then the other punches, then the other punch, and then it just like repeats. And uh, then they, they stop when they see the family and they, they split up. The Godspeeds follow. Um, Bart wants to lead them away from the city, but Barry says, that, you know, to circle back. So one Godspeed tackles Bart and then he's surrounded and they start doing, you know, the vibrating hands like they're going to kill him. But then all of them are zapped away. Uh, and, and Nora's like, oh, they went back to recharge. So it's like, wait, they're in the middle. They're about to kill someone and they have to do it like right then at that second. 
you know, okay, that yay for for Bart, you know, very convenient timing. Um, Barry asks why they followed Bart, not them. He's like, you know, what aren't you you, t- you guys telling me? Back at Star Labs, Barry's yelling, uh, he, well, talking very loudly, you know, because they were calling Bart the adversary, something like that. So Barry demands to know. He's like, what's going on? You know, but Nora's like, you know, you shouldn't know, whatever. It's not good. And then Bart says that he finally says, he's like, Godspeed is my Thawne. He's like, he's my arch nemesis. And Barry's like, Thawne devoted his whole life to just, dist- dist- you know, his whole life to destroying my life. He murdered your grandma. He's like, you shouldn't just throw that name around, you know, if, if you don't know what it means. And then Bart yells, I know what it means. And he slams his, his hands down, like on the, the counter or whatever. Nora tries calling Bart down. She's like, let's all just take a breath. And, uh, you know, she suggests that they uh, should go train. And so Bart's like, you know, he's really upset. He's like, fine. He takes off. So they're going to go in like the, the, the circular thing, whatever. Um, Barry's left wondering. He's like, what just happened? Whatever. Chester finds Allegra. You know, she's just like sitting in this another part of Star Labs drinking a coffee or sitting there. Um, he mentions Barry and kids and Iris's kids show, showed up from the future. And then he's like, are you okay? And she's like, yep. She's like, you need something? And he shows her the specs. You know, he's like all excited now about his thing. And then she's like, oh, you just need a human charger. She's like, okay, let's get this over with. And then um, he's like, well, you left your, your latte there. You want to grab it? And she's just like, no, it's fine. I, you know, I, whatever. She just like snaps at him because, and then he does some weird, he like sticks his finger in her coffee. Cause she's like, you know, she's like, I just, he's, he's like, you could just zap it up. She's like, it's, it's already hot or I already did that or something like that. And he sticks his finger in there. It's like, ill. <laughs> you know, even though she's not going to drink it, but what if she's going to come back for it or something like that? Then we see uh, Kristen Kramer. She's uh, talking to this fed dude about Crake, Crakey, whatever that, that dude. Joe's there as well. And uh, she doesn't tell him about him saying that she died at some point. Joe mentions that um, he's like, oh, I can't get through Central City. So, you know, the, the phone lines are still being blocked or whatever. Barry's in the future room talking to uh, their Gideon. And she says something about Wally handling unrest and the psychic plane and deep meditation whatever you know because i guess he's trying to see where's wally could he get any information out of him or something like that or, or any, any advice but it, that see this is the thing that bothers me it's like wally should be on the show you know especially it's like they need all the help they can get wally's meditating somewhere and i don't so understand if if it's the actor that doesn't want to do it fine but recast him. Bring someone else. You know, I, I feel like his character should be part of the show. And there's been so many big things that have happened, and there's been like hardly any mention. It's not even like a, a empty phone call, like when Iris and Candace Patton wasn't there. But but then Iris suddenly appears, and he's like, "How are how are you there?" You know, so she's in the future room, and she's like, "Deanne was able to stabilize me until you know he can find a, a permanent cure." And then, you know, she already knows that their son and daughter are there because she said that she was watching from the still force. Deanne let her watch, which seems a little creepy, you know, whatever. <laughs> then uh, she's so she was with him the whole time. So she knows that, you know, Bart said that Godspeed was his thon or was like that. So, you know, like, you know, what what did he do to Bart for him to call him his thon? And, you know, he doesn't think that, you know, the, the Godspeeds are going to stop or whatever like that. Then we see Jay Garrick and Keystone Kitty. So, uh Keystone City. Did I say Kitty? Keystone City. Uh, I, I I should be listening to what I'm saying because I know I hope you guys are listening still. Um, so his speed has been coming back. Um, you know he, he's he's getting faster with the speed force or whatever. Um, he didn't think that he was a, a, ever going to be able to run again. And he but then he tries running. He gets knocked back. Five Godspeeds show up and then they grab him and then they they say that they they want him and they take off. 
at the Star Labs, uh, Nora and Bart are, you know, she's timing him or something like that. Bart, he's not as fast or he did something because he's not focused or whatever. But then he gets excited to see mom. Um, Nora tells Barry that she's like, I told you that, that, you know, she'd be okay. But Barry's like, he's like, we need to talk. Um, whatever. They, they're like, Bart says that they're working on a new move. But Bart says, that, you know, he's not going into the battle. Um, he's like, you know, if he's your thon, you know, it's personal. Bart, you know, he apologizes for his reaction earlier. He's like, he's like, I can keep my cool. He's like, right, Nora? And she's like, but you can't. And then Bart, he's like, so he zips off. It's like, okay, great way to to deal with this. He's like, you don't even want to talk about it. You just run away. So Barry's going to go after him, but then Nora's like, dad, she's like, I've known, I I know Bart can be a bonehead, but he's right. You don't really know him yet. And he's like, I've known him for 19 years. She's like, "I, I got this. So Bart goes to Joe and Cecile's. Nora zips in. She's like, oh, I figured I'd find you moping here. And he asks, she's like, how could you turn on me? He's like, you know, you're supposed to have my back. And, you know, she says she understands what Godspeed did and what he took from them. But Bart stands up. He's like, Godspeed didn't take Uncle Jay. He killed him. He killed Uncle Jay right in front of me. So now we know um, what what this has to deal with or what happened. He's like, Dad and Uncle Wally, you know, taught taught him how to run and how to meditate but uncle jay understood him says that his impulsiveness his impulsiveness was uh strength and he understood him and now he's gone but nora says that you know he still has her and mom and dad bart just wants to tell him what happens to jay and why it should be him taking him down but she asks she's like well you know what would jay say if he was there now and you know he's like he does this you know little hat you know mimic thing sometimes you have to take your hat off and he he mimics like he takes off the hat and she's like see i'm always right and he's like you're sometimes right but then she says that you know she'll take godspeed down for the two of them and he just has to stay there so caitlin is trying to work with august uh to see if you know they can try to trigger his memory he sees a cosmic treadmill and he's like it looks familiar he slowly reaches for it and gets a zapped by a tiny little spark and he wonders if he's ever gonna know who he is you know does he have maybe has a wife and kid out there wondering if he's ever gonna come back um, Allegra is having problems charging the prototype thing that Chester built. He's uh, um, he's going to see about how, or he, he's going on about it. He's like, oh, Pops would be so happy to see this or something like that. But then he asked her if she's done charging it. And she's like, how should I know? And so she's again, snapping at him. He looks at it. And it's like at 10%. He's like, you know, based on your power output, or whatever, it's like, it should be closer to 89%. Then he asks him, he's like, are you okay? And she's like, I'm fine. And an alarm goes off. There's more clones. Um, so Barry comes in. They're like, it's still not charged. So he's like, okay. He charges it with his kinetic energy. And it charges like in two seconds. So it's like, okay, that was fast. So Barry says that he needs Chester on comms with Iris. And they're like, oh, Iris is back. Or did he not know? Maybe he didn't know. I don't know. Nora's uh, running and clones are following. The device stops four of them. But then there's a massive, like, all this, like, energy, whatever. So it's like they're recharging. Two of them knock down Barry and Nora, and then four of them, or whatever, then they're, they're there. Barry takes out, they're, like, doing the tornado blast, like, shooting at them. Barry takes all of it, but then somehow knocks them all back. And then, uh, oh, Frost comes up, and she helps, and, you know, zaps them or something like that. They get up again, and Frost says that they have to go, and Nora's still knocked out. So at Star Labs, Nora says that she's okay. Um, you know, she wonders how the Godspeed's recovered so fast. Chester says that he thinks he knows how. Um, he's like, the device needed 700 nanometers of microwave energy to power it, but the battery wasn't charged by Allegra, it's charged by Barry's lightning, which is equivalent to 5 billion nanometers of energy. So it seems where it's like, why would the battery be able to 
hold that much energy without like blowing up or shorting out, but whatever. And then Iris says, so Barry's lightning supercharged to SEE. That's what they call it. And it's like, uh, yeah, that's what he just said. So Chester, he's like, oh, I should have seen it coming. Uh, he's like, the the next batch of clones will probably show up in the 45 minutes after they charge. So he's going to go work on a device. Iris asks Barry what he's thinking. He says that, you know, even if they get the device working, they're still outnumbered. They need reinforcements. And then, hell yeah, hell to the yeah, you do. Bart shows up. He was listening. Now uh, Barry doesn't want Nora to go because she's injured. So... <laughs> It's like, make up your mind. So they, they went out there. She almost died. And she's like, but I didn't. And Iris says that, you know, the war is unpredictable and it's getting more dangerous. And they're like, yeah, but we deal with danger all the time in 2049. Barry says, but, you know, not this time. Nora's like, you don't get to decide that. She's like, I'm about to turn 30 in four years. So I was like, wait, she's that old? So I guess she's 26. She says that, you know, unlike Bart, she's an adult and they, they can't stop them from fighting. So then we see Allegra sitting alone again. Chester comes in and he's like, you know, the battery's not the problem. Um, she's not emitting microwaves. She's been blasting it with ultraviolet light like her cousin. And he's like, and as far as I know, you know, you only hit that range from channeling negative emotions like anger or pain. So then he's like, Allegra, what's going on? And she's like, nothing. And then he says that, you know, she said that she nuked her coffee, but it was ice cold. So that's why he stuck his finger in it. And she also called him Chester. And, you know, she never calls him that. So he asks it. Um, she's like, did you get in a fight with Esperanza? He's like, you know, you can always patch that up. And she's like, not this time. She's dead. And it's my fault. It's like, she was my family and I should have been there. Uh, so, but then, you know, just like she should have been able to charge a battery. Now people are going to get hurt. But it's still the whole thing. It's like Esperanza, she couldn't wait. Uh, you know, Allegra's like, I, I got to do this right now. You know, whatever. The whole city is in danger, but Esperanza is like, I need to go get my revenge now. And either you come with me or I go alone. It's like, dude, just relax. Wait, you know, five minutes or a day or, you know, whatever. So she goes off by herself and gets killed. That's not Allegra's fault because whatever. So Barry and Iris talk about being parents. Barry says that, you know, it's like there's a curse on her family. Uh, tragedy follows them everywhere. Um, you know, maybe that's their legacy. But then he says that if they beat the Godspeeds now in 2021, they won't be able to affect them in the future. So they have to break the chain. So it's like, okay, you're talking about changing the future, which could be dangerous or whatever. Alarm goes off. Then you're flash, turn over to adversary now, or else the one he loves will die. Jay Garrick. So Iris had called Joan, uh, who's with Jay. Uh, Jay got his speed back when the Speed Force was reborn. Then the clones took him. Bart says that he won't let them kill Jay, but Chester's triangulating the Godspeed signal. Bart zips off where they're at. Then they say that, you know, they knew that Bart would react that way. So they knew that he would zip off. So they have to save him. And um, Barry says, we have to save him. So that means... Nora can go. So it's like, man, you, she can go, she can't go, she can't go. Um, so Bart, they're at this cathedral or something like that. Bart go, arrives there and he sees Jay's hat lying in a, in a, on a floor. And he, then he's like, I won't let it happen again. Five Godspeeds show up and then they like kind of drop Jay. And then there's like one behind him. So they're like, your rash nature will be your undoing. So then they, they go to attack. But then Barry and Nora 
um, run. They hear screaming. Bart's like up in the air by like tornado blasts. I don't know what you'd call them, but that's what I call them. And he's like in pain. They're like, and he's just like, ah. So Barry and Nora, they're just like standing there watching. And Nora's like, you want more speed? Take mine. She's trying to buy Barry more time so he can do something. The Godspeed um, zapping Bart tries zapping Barry, but then he phases through the blast and through the Godspeed just like Bart did. So he, you know, he learns from his son, takes him down. Bart falls, Barry catches him. Jay wakes up at that exact same moment. He stops to pick up his hat. And put it on before going over to them. It's like, I know you're, you you probably did this in super speed, but it's like, was that really necessary? I, I don't know. Nora returns um, saying that the Godspeeds are right behind her. Uh, five appear and then four more and then another four on the other side. So they're surrounded. Jay says that he's like, I say we give them heck flash. So I think there's like 14 Godspeeds in the room now, if my math is correct. Then uh, the door to the cathedral opens up. Cisco walks in in his vibe gear. I leave Central City for two seconds. Blast them. So they're frozen. There's like this like force field thing. He's like, that won't hold them much longer. Nor um, she's like, Bart won't wake up. So it's like, maybe he's just knocked out. You know, you can't, you know, wake up, wake up, wake up. You can't just wake up someone when they're unconscious, whatever. So Bart's in the med lab. Caitlin tries figuring out what's wrong. Norris, it's like, I think everyone's been, it's like, okay, in this scene, you're just lying there on the bed. It's like, that would be like, awesome. I got no lines to memorize. I can just lay here. But it's like, everyone is, is laid there practically at this point. Um, so Caitlin's trying to figure out what's going on. Um, Nora's like, I should have stopped him from going. I'm his older sister. Should I should have kept him safe. Uh, Caitlin says that he's like in a deep coma safer state or something like that. Then Jay asks Barry, how he knew how to stop Godspeed. And Barry's like, it was my son's idea. I guess it pays to be impulsive. It's like, oh my God. Iris asks, how come his speed healing hasn't kicked in? And Caitlin's like, it has. And it's like, oh, how can you tell? Is there like some like monitor? It's like speed healing is on or something like that. So, but apparently his speed has been so depleted when they did their tornado things to him that whatever he has left is being used to keep him alive. Cisco says that, you know, Maybe if he got there faster, you know, Bart would be okay. But Barry's like, you know, the war isn't over. You know, there could be dozens or hundreds of the things on the way. Um, Cisco's force field thing won't really work because the stronger they get, the less time it holds them. So what do they have? Barry's, he says that they know August Hart goes to the Flash Museum in 2049. They just don't know why. So it's like 2049. So like the guy, it's like, how old is Godspeed? It's like, must be in his 40s or 50s. Because the dude is probably like in his 20s. I don't know. I'm horrible with age. So they just don't know why he, he goes to the Flash Museum. Must have something to do with uh, why the war started or something like that. So um, Barry wants to use a neural thing to send his consciousness into August Hart's mind. So like the the neural, the headband, whatever thing. Um, Joe and, and uh, Kristen Kramer drive back. Uh, Joe wants to talk about Craig saying that he saw her die, but she just wants to let it go. She said she's, you know, she spent her life trying to track him down. Now she can just do her job. They notice there's just like a line of cars leaving Central City. They don't know what's going on. One knucklehead swerves into their lane. It's just like a two-lane road. And Kramer has to maneuver around it. And then a cu- couple Godspeeds show up on the hood of their car doing their, their stupid slow fight or whatever. Back at uh, Star Labs, so August Hart is, is hooked up to the device. Iris warns Barry that while August Hart seems harmless, 
the real monster's locked away inside because because she knows everything. <laughs> she knows what's going to happen. The neural thing is hooked up to, it's like, is it hooked up to Jay's helmet or something like that? They have like two helmets or whatever. August says that, you know, he needs to know who he is, even if it's someone he despises. So like, what if that uh like awakens, this is what causes him to turn evil or something like that. So zap, um, Cecile guides Barry to follow. She's like, follow my voice or something like, like that. Um, inside the cathedral, voices whisper, flash. So he goes in, he's like, He's like, I've been there before. He's like, no, you have not. This is my mind, my sanctum. Um, There's a Godspeed throne in there. uh, And he's like, he was expecting him. He's like, you must have a lot of questions. I have all the answers. And his voice distorts. This is going to be so much fun to be continued. So aside from the the little nitpicky things that I, and I kind of joke about it, you know, I'm not like as annoyed as I might seem. And I hope that doesn't come across as annoyance. You know, I I do like the episode, you know, for the most part, and I am intrigued with the storyline. It's just weird though. The execution overall isn't as good as, as Superman and Lois. Superman and Lois is just like every week. I mean, that, that show is, is just when it's on, it's just, it's, it seems like it's just on, another level and it, it's it's weird you know just like the writing and everything and um i think part of the the other thing that the what kind of works against the flash is um like while some of the costume you know, it's cool that they have a costume and everything like that but it's that problem where sometimes it's hard to make them look cool like serious and not too rubbery or fake or whatever because you know sometimes they don't always translate into real life but it's like you want to have the, the costumes otherwise it just it'd be like the, the the fox original you know x-men movies where they're all wearing black leather or whatever so it's just weird and I, I think with superman even though he's you know wearing red and blue tights or whatever uh it's it's just the world feels more grounded and this world feels more like plasticky if that makes any sense so it's, it's just weird that you know they're supposed to be in the same universe but it, they just feel so so different so i don't know it's, it's just it's it's kind of kind of kind of weird weird that way but um like i said we have one more episode uh to the season and then i think see when it i think it's starting up sooner than i intend or thought yes so um season eight starts november 16th so we'll have august september october so i have three months off which i guess is about normal um for the most part when when, you know you get the summer hiatus so 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 that'll be good and it looks like season eight is only 14 episodes so far maybe that might not be totally up to date so we shall see okay with uh superman and lois season one episode 12 through the valley of death so like i said i i just really enjoyed this show there's just something about it and i'm just so surprised because i i know i've said this before but when we first saw Superman on, on Supergirl, I, I wasn't super crazy about him. And I, I didn't mean to say super. It's not, not no pun intended. Uh, but I just really liked And when I heard it's like, oh, their kids are 14 now, whatever. And I'm, I'm just really en- enjoying the show overall. So it starts off, you know, remember uh, Superman was taken by Morgan Edge, who is actually a Kryptonian and is, is his half-brother or something like that. So um, he's forced to go off with him. So um, Lois called John Henry Irons. So he's waiting outside the Metropolis Institute of Technology. So he's waiting for someone. He's waiting for her. Um, he's, he's talking to his computer AI. And, and then um, the computer says that this world's version of his younger sister is, is just got out of a cab and is you know entering an apartment building or something like that. 
Um, then Lois calls him about Superman maybe having turned. So that gets his attention. Then uh, Superman sitting in uh, Morgan Edge's fortress of solitude like out in the desert. He's going through like the pain ritual thing. Uh, Morgan talks about how he had his pain removed thanks to his father. Um, and then Edge says that, you know, he just has to submit. He's like, not even Superman is able to resist the will of Zod. So it's like, wait, Zod? It's like, what are you talking about? We'll find out. Um, Lois gets off the phone and uh, the boys are talking in the other room. So she tells him that he's going to be okay. She's like, he's been in worse spots than this. He always gets through them. She's like, I've been dealing with this for 20 years. So just trust her. So that's the thing. It's like, how old is this Lois? So uh, the actress plays Lois. She's actually um, 40. She was born in 81. Uh, Superman was is actually 33. He's going to be, I think, 34 this year. So she's saying uh, she's been dealing with this for 20 years. So that would, would put her like at about 40. You know, you don't really think about that. I mean, I guess if they have uh, 14-year-old kids... And, you know, they didn't get married right away. But I always just picture them in, like, in their their tw- 30s. But, okay. okay. So, I mean, that that's good in a way that, you know, not trying to shy away against, you know, them getting older, you know, whatever. But the fact is, if you're going to give them uh, 14-year-old kids, if, if they kept the kid as a baby, like, when it first happened on Supergirl, then, you know, they could be younger. But whatever. So she says she's been dealing with this for 20 years. She's like, you know, just, you know, why don't you just try to get some sleep? But then a car pulls up and it's, it's her dad, Sam. And, you know, he says they tried detecting him, but they, they lost him when they, they took off or whatever. Sam mentions uh, Superman's secret fortress because he doesn't, I guess he doesn't know where it's at. So, you know, he's kind of like, you know, maybe we should start there. But Lois is like, he's not there. You know, he's like, he said something about a desert fortress. So, um, but then she kind of starts, you know, breaking down and starts crying and he, and he hugs her. So it was, it was a nice scene because, you know, they're always like so tough and everything like that. And, you know, just they haven't really had like a father daughter you know, relationship. And so it's nice that he's there for her. Kyle uh, says that, you know, he needs to get checked out by the military. Um, you know, he's talking to Lana and, and Sarah. Sarah says that he's like, you know, shouldn't you stay home? Because he's going to go to work. So he's got to get checked in and go to work. But she's like, shouldn't you stay home, you know, with us and rest? And he's like, well, I should probably get back into a routine, whatever, you know, go back to the, the fire station because he's the chief or whatever. Doorbell rings. It's Tamara, his coworker. She said uh, she overheard some of the guys talking about him coming in. And she's like, you know, you vouch for Morgan Edge and people are angry. And, you know, she's she's like, I get what you're trying to do, but maybe give it a few days, you know, let people cool off before coming back to work, which is just kind of silly. Um, it's like, OK, how is he supposed to know that? This dude, he's saying that, you know, is good for for the town, that he's really like an alien, whatever, body snatcher dude. Jordan and Jonathan are talking. Jordan says that, you know, he maybe, or he, he was like listening to the troops. He's like, they don't have any information. John's like, well, maybe you, you could do something. And he's like, you know, when when uh, John Henry Irons had dad, you know, you were able to, uh, you know, hear him. But Jordan's like, yeah, but they were just, uh, you know, a couple miles away. And, you know, Jordan says that, for dad it, it took him you know years of training in the the fortress but uh, they're gonna try it he just has to go somewhere it's you know a little quieter you know so he can isolate the noise and try to focus in on certain things which i, I don't even understand, understand how you could expand your superheroing and and try to focus it and weave around other it's just i guess that's why it's a superpower i don't know Irons arrives. He, he talks to Lois and Sam. You know, so I guess Superman, you know, Superman agreed to be brainwashed, but he signaled to Lois to contact him. She wants to come up with a rescue plan, but John 
John Henry. I don't know. I don't want to get him confused with Jonathan because I call him John sometimes. So Irons uh, says that if Superman signaled her to bring him in to save the world, that he's going to have to put him down by any means necessary. And Lois is like, no, John. She's like, we're not going to kill Superman. And Sam's like, you know, Superman is our greatest ally against Morgan Edge. You know, it would be a tactical error to get rid of him. But John says, you know, it's a tactical error would be to let him do to this world what he did to his. He's like, it took him seven minutes to wipe out Metropolis. And Lois is like, you know, we just need to, to find him. But then, you know, she, she leaves the room. And then Sam says, uh, you know, Lois doesn't know it, but he's been putting together like all the deadly weapons they have. So when the time comes and John Henry says, he's like, well, I might have something more deadly than kryptonite. So Jordan's trying to isolate all the noise. You know, they're all like in the field away from, from all the soldiers. Uh, he, he might've been able to hear it to Australia or New Zealand because he couldn't, wasn't sure about the, the accent or whatever, but he couldn't hear dad. And, but you know, he's like, Jordan, you know, Jonathan keeps trying to encourage him. But Jordan's like, you know, he doesn't even know, you know, maybe he just wasn't talking, you know, and he just missed it, you know, whatever. And, you know, he doesn't think he's good enough. You know, he's like against Edge. He's like, I gave him everything I had when he uses like heat vision eye blasts against him. He's like, but Edge just tossed me aside like I was nothing. Then Iron shows Sam a rocket used um, that has like solar tech or whatever. It So it completely depletes Kryptonians that are power long enough to kill them. So he used it in his fight against Kal-El. He lured him out into space. But before he saw it worked, he ended up on this Earth. So Sam's like, so you don't know if it really works. Um, he's like, it will. And, you know, he's, he says, I just don't have my ship or my suit. And Henry says that he's like, get someone to make, you know, one and, and I'll take care of the rest. So Sam, Kyle, and Sarah go into town. They see Emily and her family. So, you know, they were, whatever, um, taken over. They're angry. They say it's, you know, she says it's Lana's fault. She trusted them. And she's like, you know, how can I go back to my life knowing what I must have done? And, you know, Lois overhears this. And and then, you know, she tells Lana and, and Kyle, she's like, you know, it's, it's not your fault. And she's like, you know, we'll make sure everyone knows that it was Edge. And but then she's like, she wants to talk to them before they, they get tested or whatever. So the government's testing to make sure there's no traces of Kryptonian essence or whatever in them. So um, while they're taken over, do they have any memories or anything like that? Lana says she just remembers waking up and seeing Lois. Kyle says that he it came and went. He felt like he was losing himself. You know, he couldn't remember things. He couldn't picture his family. And like a darkness took over, but he could fight back. But there was like this overwhelming feeling that his family would be better off if he let go. And he's like, I almost did. And, you know, Lana like takes his hand or whatever. Lois says, but you did fight. So she's like, you know, thank, thank both of you. You know, that that's good information. Superman's still fighting the pain. Um, you know, he's remembering, he's picturing Lois and time with the family. Then he finally zips away. Um, he smashes, uh, like, into the ground, like, out in the desert. And, he, you know, he, he calls out to Jordan. And then he, you know, he yells. Uh, and Jordan hears him. He's like, I'm in the Badlands or whatever. But then Edge comes up and grabs him. And here's Jordan Jonathan talking. And then he's, so he talks to them. But he just says, a he's like, if you send anyone for your father, know this. He won't be the man they find waiting. Then uh, Lois sees John Diggle delivering something to a soldier for General Sam Lane. So Lois sees him, you know, she goes up to him, gives him a hug. And he's like, so this is where you and Clark moved family. And so it's like weird that, you know, Diggle's doing this like guest appearance, like in all the shows, you know, like this tour, guest appearance tour. She asks, um, she's like, why are you here? And he's like, oh, I assumed you knew. Um, he's like, your father called Argus uh, about some tech and Lila had it delivered. And Lois is like, what kind of tech? 
So John Henry Irons is looking at the device. He tells Sam, he's like, he's like, I can make it work. And then Lois comes in with Diggle. She's like, I thought you were on my side. And Sam's like, it's just a precaution. He's like, no decisions were made. And Diggle's like, except for the part where you lied to Argus about what it was going to be used for. Sam says, he's like, it's a fluid situation. You know, he's like, I didn't want to involve you and, and Lila in the decision. Diggle says, because you knew we'd say no. And then Lois, like, she's like, I just spoke with one of Edge's recruits who mentioned it was possible to fight back. And Iron's ass is like, are you really willing to risk the fate of, of your Earth? And Diggle catches this. And he's like, wait, he's like, are you from a different Earth? And then Sam reluctantly says, yeah. And Diggle's like, we're going to have a serious talk about this. And then um, then you're, mom, mom, we need to talk. The boys come in. So Kyle and the family, they go back to their house. They find graffiti on their house. And there's like a broken window. And it's like, get out of small fills, like spray painted on there, like on, on the wall and on the glass. So Sarah's like surprised. She's like, you know, everything you did for the town, she's like, we've lived here our whole lives. And and Kyle's like ticked off. He's like, this is our home. This is where we sleep. She's like, what if, you know, we were home? I guess when they threw the brick through a window or whatever. He's like, you know, I tried helping the town. He's like, I, I can't even keep my family safe. So he's just like really getting angry and anything like that. Lana calms him down. She's like, you know, we're going to get through this as a family. So, and <laughs> but so this whole time it's like, wait, didn't they have another kid? Where's this other kid at? But there is mentioned later. Jordan tells mom and dad and Sam that dad said he was in the Badlands. He's like, will that help? And Jonathan, he's like, oh, one more thing. He's like, Edge, because uh, Jordan wasn't going to say this, but then Jonathan, Jonathan's like, oh, what a way. And Jordan's like, Grr. but he's like, Edge told Jordan that if they sent anyone after dad, it wouldn't be him they find. So Sam talks to Lois alone. He says that, you know, he has to treat this like any global threat. So he's like, when we find him, He's like, I'm sending Irons in. He's like, I'm sorry. So Lois asks Irons if she can talk to him. She says, or he says that he knows what she's going to say. And, you know, she's like, I told you, you know, repeatedly that this world is different from from yours and your Superman, you know, or this, you know, Superman is different from the monster who destroyed your earth. She's like, you know, he would never turn on humanity. And he's asked just as often how she knows that for sure. She's like, I never really answered that question, but I'm going to now. She's like, the reason I know how much Superman loves humanity is he's not just someone I report on. He's everything to me. He's the love of my life. He's the father of my sons. Superman is my husband. So Irons is kind of flabbergasted. He's like, Clark Kent is Superman? And then she's like, the boys didn't know until this year. And you're like, that's why we moved here to Smallville. And you know, he's like, he has a family to fight for. That's why he won't give up and why we can't. Irons like, this doesn't change anything. He, he says that, you know, he, Superman wanted her to call him because he knew what he would do. And she's like, fine, but you just need to understand the possibility that there can be, that he can be saved. And he's like, then you called the wrong guy. He's like, you know, I, I saw you die. I lost Natalie. He's like, everyone's gone. He's like, I can't let that happen again. He's like, I'm sorry. Sam and Diggle talk. Diggle says that, you know, he's like, I fought alongside Superman. You know, he's the best of us. And, you know, Diggle, then he exchanges some words with Irons. He's like, you know, I can't imagine the hell that you went through to get here, but I hope you have the courage to get through it. He's like, the world will be watching and praying you make the right call. So Lana and Sarah are trying to scrub the paint off the windows, um, you know, spraying it with with hose and wiping it and stuff like that. And then, and you know, Kyle comes in with like paint remover, paint thinner, or whatever. And then they end up in a water fight. Ha ha ha! They're hugging family. Woo yay! You know, whatever. It's touchy feely. Whatever. <laughs> it just seemed kind of weird. 
uh, you know, Superman's about to get killed, and like they're laughing and hugging each other and spraying each other with water. It's just like the paint fight that the, the, the Kents did. The boys come home, or, or they they go to. So Lois is at the paper. They go there. Jonathan asks if they're too late, and she's like, "I don't know." Superman's thrown on the ground. Edge says that he told him no one can fight forever. Superman's eyes glow red, and then Edge calls his father, his hologram father. Superman stands up with a low voice. You've done it, Zeta. So Edge says, he's like, yes, we have. And now we can move toward completing what we came here to do, General Zod. So General Zod, his his essence, whatever, is in Superman now. Okay, so a soldier detects something and tells Sam they they got him. They, they figure out where they're at. Irons does a, a, a full system check. Then Jonathan comes in and asks if he, he, to, to Irons. He's like, do you know who I am? He's like, you know, when you were at the, the DOD, I went into your RV. He's like, I saw lots of video from your Earth. I saw my mom die, and I saw, you know, who my dad was. He's like... I, I saw a lot about, the, you know, the irons too, about you you guys, about you. He's like, and your daughter, Natalie, she, you know, you seem like a really good dad. He's like, I just want you to know this guy that you're about to kill. He's a really good dad too. And irons, he's like, I wish there was another way, son. And Jonathan says, there's always another way. And he walks out. And that is exactly the point. That is what makes Superman different. There is always another way besides killing. You can always take someone out. That's why, never mind. I'm not going to go down that tangent. Irons has a new suit of armor now and a hammer. Uh, he's trying to detect them. Uh, incoming Superman lands very slowly, and he has like a glower on, on his face, and he zips towards uh, uh, Irons and like knocks him back. Where Irons waits or Lois <laughs> waits to hear anything. Irons uh, he he says that he's fine. Soldier says they're they're not in the Badlands anymore because they they were you know, taken somewhere else. They flew somewhere. Sam talks to him, and Irons says that Superman has been turned, and then Zod's like. None of them can stop what's coming or like whatever. So um, then he he punches a helmet. Sam says, he's like, you're authorized to, you know, weaken him and take him out. Lois tells him to wait. But then she says that the that missiles are one shot. If they use it, they have nothing to use against Edge. She says that John has to get through to him or they're both dead or something like that. And then uh, John hits him with something and more fighting. Uh, his armor is at 57% now. Lois says, she's like, you can't beat him. You have to make him remember who he is. And uh, and then it almost seemed like he heard her voice on the, on the radio talking to him, I mean, which is possible. So he calls his hammer and he hits him, hits him again. And then John arms the missile. So he's, there's this little, the solar missile is pretty small. It's like in his wrist, you know, there's like a little rocket launcher pops up. Superman's on the ground and he's like, you got to do it. And Lois like, he's still in there. And he's like, you know, Superman says that, you know, he can't stop. You got you to save them. He's like, I can't stop. And then John lowers his arm and takes off his helmet. And he, he cut off the audio. So he calls him. He's like, Clark. He's like, Lois sent me. He's like, I met your boys. He's like, they believe in you. They say that you know what it means to lose people you love. He's like, that pain you feel right now, that's nothing compared to if you lose them. He's like, you have to fight. Don't let that bastard take your family. He's like, fight back. And we see like more memory flashes of the family, Lois and everything like that. Ah, screams. He rolls onto his back. And then John helps him up. Turns on the audio. He's like, we got him. He's back. And Lois is like, can you hear me? It's like Superman. And Superman says, he's like, I'll be back soon. So, because um, first John and, and him have to go take care of Edge. So Edge is in his fortress. He hears all this. So he knows what's happening. He knows Superman was able to fight it. And then, uh, 
and you know here's like you know gone he's gone for good and then dad asks kal-el and edge is like zod and then his father's like it's time he's like he you had one mission but you're weak complete what you were sent there for or know that you're the sole reason krypton was lost it's like whatever dude so edge flies out with he's got some device i don't know what this thing is and uh superman and irons chase him irons goes after him in space and, and then he shoots a rocket um as edge blasts the device thing you know so it, it's like this this little uh pod thing i don't really know what it is and uh then edge falls to the ground and he's like you could have ruled with me as my brother instead i will bury you in the ashes of this world and superman punches him out so lois and the boys wait at the house and then jordan's like wait he's coming and then he lands and lois is like hey hey yourself smooch the boys laugh <laughs> he hugs the boys and they're like how'd you do it how'd you break free and he's like i thought of you guys and he's like but i had a little help and then irons lands and then the boys back away a little bit Superman's like oh it's okay so then Jonathan goes forward and shakes his hand. He, he says that he never said sorry about hitting him with the truck. And Iron says that uh, he tells him, Ed, he's like, that's fine, whatever. Edge is in a secure prison. Lois asks if he wants to stay for dinner. She's like, I order a mean takeout. And he's like, oh, I have to wrap things up with your dad. He's like, plus, you know, family time is sacred. And he's like, you guys are definitely due for that. So then back at the kyle lana house i don't know what kyle's last name is i forget he's making dinosaur pancakes sophie's home because she was staying at lana's sisters or something like that so sarah hugs her she's like did i miss anything and sarah's like no and lana uh tells kyle she's like we're gonna be okay and he's like yeah but they still have the town that hates them <laughs> so lois and clark talk to sam leslie lara still in the wind finding her is their number one priority he says that you know they should have her soon um, and he wants to talk to Lois about yesterday. And she's like, I know. She's like, you were just doing your job. And he's like, I'm proud of you. When the chips were down, you still had faith. And he tells Clark, he's like, I'm glad you're better. He's like, I won't doubt you again. Then we see Edge sitting in a kryptonite cell. And you hear like in his mind or his dad's what are complete you, you were sent here for. And he kind of does this little smirk. So maybe he's not completely out of it. He has something up his sleeve still. I don't know. So... Um, so it's interesting that, you know, the season's not over yet. And it feels like that this is like, this could have been like the end of the season or something like that, but there's still more. And I didn't see the, the preview for, for next week. So I don't know what's going to happen next, but so it was a good episode. Okay. Loki, uh, season one, episode six for all time, always. So this is a season finale. Um, one thing that I was no so um, when they showed a preview, I didn't quite catch it the first time when uh, Mobius was with Ravona in her office and she had a pen or something like that. I couldn't see what it said written on there because I, I tried pausing it, but I think my uh, connection got bad or fuzzy at that moment. It was like kind of blurry. So I'm like, whatever. And I didn't really focus it. So it said Franklin D. Roosevelt High School. So it was like, okay, what does that mean? We find out. And because I, I, when I saw it, it's like, it must mean something if they're showing it in the, the recap portion. Um, and it was which interesting. It's like I don't know if I noticed it before, but the Marvel logo it seemed different this time because there was like sound bites from the different movies. I don't think they they did that before. But um, the, the, then the, the talking continues to other things like through space. Uh, you know, you hear we think of time as a one way motion. You hear Nelson Mandela speaking. You know, we have fought for the right to experience peace and your glorious power and um, Loki. Like, what is grief or whatever? So Loki and Sylvia are standing outside the building. So from last episode, um, and it's like a busted piece of planet or something like that. So they, they went through that portal 
there's shimmery lights like you see space around them it looks like there's like this old palace with like the walls are cracked there's this like white ring which i think might be the timeline or this white line you know going across or like outside out in space or something like that so sylvie asks loki um if he's going to tell her not to kick the door in and he's like would it make a difference but she's like kind of hesitant i think you know she's she's a little nervous but because this is what she's been trying to to do her whole life so loki starts talking and then she tells him to shut up so it's like she's like i i was pruned before you even existed it's like is that true? Is she like way? I don't know. Um, she's been waiting for this her entire life, so she just needs a second to get her head straight. And then uh, the doors open automatically. So it's kind of dark inside. There's like these two hooded, towering statues, whatever. Then Miss Minutes appears, and she's like, "Welcome to the Citadel at the end of time. Congratulations!" Uh, she says, "You know, you had an awfully long journey." He is impressed, and Sylvie's like, "Who? You know, who's he?" And then Miss Minutes like, "He who remains." And Loki's like, who is he? And then Miss Minutes like, he created all and controls all. At the end, it is only he who remains, and he wants to offer you a deal. He's been making a few creative adjustments, and he's worked it out so he can reinstate both of y'all back into the timeline in a way that won't disrupt things. The TVA can keep doing its vital work, and y'all can live the lives you've always wanted. Loki asks, uh, what it is? what is it that they've always wanted? And Miss Minutes says... Uh, you know, not to be coy, but you know he knows, you know how he got himself into the into this mess. And he's like, "What?" And she's like, "The Battle of New York, silly." It's like, you know, you versus those self righteous Avengers. She's like, "How would you like to win?" And not just there, you can kill Thanos. You want the Infinity Gauntlet? Yours. Throne of Asgard? No problem. And then she asks Sylvie. She's like, "All those years alone on a run. How would you like to wake up with a lifetime of memories? Two Lokis in the same place." Loki asks. Uh, both of them together in a timeline and miss minute says it's crazy but he can make it work all of it everything exactly how you know you wanted it's like you can have it all together and sylvie's like that's that's fiction and loki says that they write their own destiny now and she's like sure you do good luck with that and then she leaves so then we see Ravona sitting in her office looking through some papers. Um, she sees a ring on a table where Mobius always sat because he wouldn't use a coaster. And then Ms. Minutes shows up. Um, I don't know if it's the same Ms. Minutes or it's a different one or whatever. But she's been downloading the files that Ravona's asked for. And Ravona, then she says, like, she's like that's those aren't the files I asked for. And Ms. Minutes says, I know, but he thinks this will be more useful. And she's like, who? And Ms. Minutes just says, happy reading and disappears. So Loki and Sylvie keep walking. Loki wonders about he who remains. And they enter this other room. There's like smaller statues in there. It's dusty. A door opens. And there's like a dude, like kind of like in a purple cloak sitting in there. And he's like, this is wild. He's like, the two of you, the same person. I mean, it's a little natural, but wow, wild. And he chomps on an apple. Sylvie is like, he who remains. And he repeats that and asks, she still calls me that he's like creepy right he's like but i like it he's like come on let's talk in my office so in the elevator he has his back to them and he's like not who you were expecting loki's like you're just a man he agrees you know flesh and blood he's like don't tell me i'm a disappointment and sylvie's like no just a little bit easier to kill and then she takes a swing at him with her sword but then he disappears and there's like this like bench or something in the back and he's just like kind of like lounging on it and he's like this padded bench and then he like laughs and she tries again and again then the elevator opens and he's standing there outside so he invites him in pours a, a like a couple cups of tea or something he offers them a seat 
back at Ravona, she hears a knock on her door and she's like, I said I wasn't to be disturbed and Mobius answers. He's like, then, then you're not going to be happy. And he whispers, he's like, he's back. So she figures that if anyone was going to make it back from the void, it would be him. And she asks if he's going to prune her. And he says that he likes that idea, but his standards might be a little bit higher in that area than hers. You know, he's like, you know, with close personal friends, she apologizes. She says that she couldn't let him get a, in a way of their mission. And he's like, mission? He's like, the timekeepers are safe. He's like, we're all variants. He's like, what mission? And she's she says that it can't have all been for nothing. And, you know, she's like, that's why she had to prune him. She radios for Hunter, like, D90 to her office, like, immediately. But he's like, that's not going to work. He's like, now that we know your secret. He pulls out the Franklin D. Roosevelt pen, and she gasps. She's like, what did you do? So then we see B-15 standing by some, like, lockers. And we find out she's in Fremont, Ohio, 2018. There's other hunters in the hall, and they go after her. But she steps into this office, and uh, one, one hunter comes in after her, and he tells her to listen to her. And then, but then Ravona comes in and she's like, what's going on in here? And a dude's like, Judge Renslayer. And she's like, what? It's like, who are you? And she's like, and what the hell are you doing in my school? And, you know, you can see like on the wall in the office, there's like a diploma that says Rebecca Termine, which if you've read the comics or know whatever, that's a Ravona name or whatever. So B-15 tells a dude, she's like, that isn't Judge Renslayer. He's like, you know, we have a lot to talk about. Back at the Citadel, he, who remains, says that he's been running for so long uh, that Loki doesn't, or he, he says, you know, he doesn't understand the situation. He's lost. But then they found him, and he's like, duh. And uh, Sylvie tries swiping at him again, and then he pulls out a couple sheets of paper. He's like, you can't kill me because I already know what's going to happen. So the paper is like transcripts of what's going on, like their conversations and everything like that. Loki's like, it's a parlor trick. And then he asks if they wonder how he's able to move out you know way just before um they kill him or you know try to kill him sylvie's like no it's because that little temp pad he has on his wrist or something like that and but it's like how does he have it loaded up with everything that he needs to know to keep from being killed by the two of them he's like it's easy because he knows it all and he's seen it all he mentions several things that have happened including uh the little look that they shared by the lake and sylvie's like no she's like you know we broke out of this game He's like, that's how you know we got here. And he's like, no. He's like, everything, every uh, step that they took to get there, lamentous, devoid. He's like, I paved that road. And he's like, you're just walking down it. And you know, he says, he's like, I have to rest right here. He's like, everything that's going to happen. He's like, there's only one way this can can go. Sylvie asks, he's like, why? You know, then why here? He says, you know, you know, you can't just skip to the end before you're, you know, you you're changed by the journey. He's like, this stuff it needs to happen. To get them all in the right mindset to finish the quest. And Loki's like, so it's all a game, a manipulation? And then uh, he's like, interesting that your head would go to that. Then he asks Sylvie if she thinks that she can trust Loki. Uh, you know, Does she think she's even capable of trusting anyone at all? Back at um, the TVA, Mobius tells Ravona that he thinks people are ready to hear the truth, like that the TVA is a lie. Ravona asks, what if it's a necessary one? She's like, someone created the timekeepers. They created this whole place. They gave them all purpose. And she has to believe that they, you know, had a reason. Mobius is like, no, because I've seen the horror waiting for people when they get pruned. He's like, there's nothing necessary about that. Ravona asks, he's like, you know what would happen if, if we didn't prune the timeline? Chaos, death. And Mobius like, free will? She's like, only one person gets free will, the one in charge. And he asks her, he's like, what happened to you? And she's like, you betrayed me. He's like, no, you betrayed me. 
And she's like, I looked out for you and, you know, I hung my neck out for you. You know, eons of friendship and you threw it all away on a couple of Lokis. And he's like, you can't take away people's free wills. And he's like, do you not see that? And then she opens up a portal. And he's like, what are you doing? He's like, she's like, what I have to do. He's like, maybe, you know, we can build this into something better together, but she's not going for it. So he's like, I, I'm, I can't let you go. And he turns on the prune stick. And she says that, you know, even with that, he's no danger to her. And he's like, you think? He's like, let's see. He goes to prune her, but she deflects it, kicks him and, and takes the baton. And then she holds it to him. And he's like, yep, here we go ahead. Go ahead. But then she turns it off. And she asks, you know, she's, he asks, he's like, where are you going to go? And she's like, in search of free will. So she's gone. At the Citadel, he says that the methods were deceptive, but the mission never was. Without the TVA, everything burns. Loki asks, what is he so afraid of? And there's like a pause. And he's like, me? And uh, Sylvie asks, she's like, just, you know, who are you? And he's like, I've been dubbed with many names by people, a ruler, a conqueror. He who remains a jerk, but it's, it's too, uh, he's like, it's too, as, or it's as simple as a name or something like that. So he calls up something on his wrist temp pad and he f- flicks off like this glob and it turns into this little dude who like this little figure, like animated figure, whatever. He's like, eons ago, before the TVA, a variant of myself lived on earth in the 31st century. He was a scientist and he discovered that there were universes stacked on top of his own. At the same time, other versions of us were learning the same thing. Naturally, they made contact and for a while there was peace narcissistic self-congratulatory peace he's like they share technology and knowledge using the best of their universes to improve the others however not every version of me was so so pure of heart some of us new worlds only meant one thing new lands to be conquered does this sound familiar yet if you don't know um the peace between realities erupted into all-out war each variant fighting to preserve their universe and annihilate the others that first variant encountered a creature created from all the terrors in reality capable of consuming time and space itself a creature you both know and loki's like Eliath. he and uh, so he who remains says i harnessed the beast's power and began experimenting on it i weaponized Eliath, and i ended the multiversal war he's like once I, I isolated the timeline. All I had to do was manage the flow of time to prevent any further branches. Hence, the TVA and its bureaucracy. Bureaucracy? <laughs> he says that they came to kill a devil, but he keeps them safe. And if they think he's evil, well, just wait till they meet his variants. They may hate the dictator, but sometime, something far worse is going to fill that void if they dispose of him. He's like, I've lived a million lifetimes. I've gone through every scenario. He's like, this is the only way. The TVA, it works. Sylvie says, or you're a liar. And Loki's like, so you'd continue to prune innocent timelines? And he's like, "Mm -mm mm-mm. He's like, you two would. He's like, there's two options. You kill me and destroy all this so you don't have just one devil, but you have an infinite amount, or you two. You two run the, the thing. And Loki's he's like, you're lying. He's like, why would you give up being in control? And then there's a pause. And he's like, buddy, he's like, I'm tired and I'm older. I'm older than I look. He's like, this game is for the young, the hungry. He's like, I've gone through a number of scenarios to find a, the right person to take the spot. He's like, it turns out that person came in two. He's like, you know, they're like, no more lies. So they, they kill him and the sacred timeline is completely exposed. Multiversal war or they take over and return to the TVA 
as its benevolent rulers tell the workforce who they are and what they have to do. Sylvie's like, you treat people like, like games. He says it was practical, not personal. And she's like, well, it was personal to me. And he groans and he yells. He's like, grow up. He's like, you're a murderer and a hypocrite. He's like, we're all villains here. He's like, you know, we've all done horrible, terrible, horrific things. He's like, now you have the choice to do them for a good reason. Then there's like a distant rumble. And he looks a little concerned. He's like, we've just crossed the threshold. Then he he says, he's like, I fibbed earlier when I said I knew how everything is going to go. He's he's like, I knew everything up to a certain point, And that point was about seven, eight, nine, ten seconds ago. He's like, outside, you can see the, the sacred timeline starting to branch. He's like, I have no idea how this is going to go. And Loki asks, he's like, that's it? He's like, this is the end of time, and you're just going to sit there with all that freedom and, and let us decide your fate? And he's like, yes. He's like, either you take over and all my life's, you take over and um, all my life's work, or you know, you kill him, and there's an infinite number of him that starts another multiversal war. He's like, and then he'll just end up back there anyways. He's like, reincarnation, baby. And Sylvie's like, no. She's like, it's just another lie, another manipulation. And he's like, no. <laughs> Everyone's like, no, no. He, he takes off the temp pad and um, says that he likes all this honesty. You know, feels like a fresh start. And Sylvie leaps up to kill him, but Loki stops her. And, you know, she turns her blade on him. She's like, what are you doing? He's like, let's just talk about it. He um, he says, like, he's like, I believe him. Um, she's like, what? He's like, you know, they, they kill him and a bazillion killers show up. And Loki's like, I'm a liar. And I don't think that he was lying about that. He's like, that's the gambit. Remove the dictator and fill the void. And she's like, ah, you want the throne. He's like, no. He, uh, she, But she doesn't believe him. She says that. Uh, he says that he knows the TVA hurt them, but what if taking him out unleashes something worse? You know, he just, he wants him to just think about it. And she's like, I should have known, you know, to trust you. And she's like, you know, this was all just a con. And he's like, kind of hurt. He's like, that's what you think of me after all we went through. And she asks, she's like, why aren't they, you know, aren't we seeing it the same way? And he says, because she can't trust and he can't be trusted. So they start fighting. Um, she like blasts him. He keeps fighting. You know, uh, she's like, you know, maybe he's lying, maybe he's not. And she's like, fine. And she's like, kill me. She's like, take the throne. And he's like, no. And she makes her move to kill him. But then Loki appears right in front of uh, her blade, and then he drops his. He's like, it's because you know she's or she went to, to kill he who remains. But he like he's there, and he like drops his blade, and he tells her, he's like, stop, stop, stop. He's like, he's like, I've been where you are. I felt what you feel. He's like, don't ask me how I know. All I know is he, you know, that I don't want to hurt you. He's like, I, I don't want the throne. I just want, I just want you to be okay. Then she drops her throne, her sword, and then they kiss. And she says, but I'm not you. And she opens a portal and shoves him through, shoves Loki through. The portal closes. She picks up uh, the temp pad, picks up her sword, slides his desk, like just throws his desk out of the way. And she's like, are you going to beg for your, for your life? And then she stabs him. And he's like, see you soon. And then she stands for a moment. And then she just like sits on the floor. And outside, you see the timeline branches. Like, there's like, there are more branches, just crackling noise. So there's rapid a beeping at the TVA. Mobius, like, he's like, there's no turning back now to the B-15. He's like, for all time, always. So Loki sits. Uh, he So he was thrown in like an office in the TVA. He's sitting there. He closes his eyes and he just bows his head. Then he gets up. In the halls, people are like rushing about. 
Um, he runs to the archives and he sees Mobius and B-15 and they're like looking over the branches and stuff like that. You know, like how can they stop it and everything? And Loki's like, you can't. He's like, they made a mistake. And he tells him about the Citadel. He's like, someone is coming. Countless versions of a very dangerous, you know, person are coming. He's like, we need to prepare. And Mobius like, he's like, calm down. He's like, you're an analyst, right? He's like, what division are you from? And Loki's like confused. And he's like, who are you? What is your name? And then B-15 calls someone to the archive and then uh, Loki looks and he sees a statue of he who remains. And that's how it ends. So uh, <laughs> somehow things were wiped out. I, I don't know, really know what that means. So somehow like Mobius and B-15 forgot everything. And so now uh, he who remains is in charge. And uh, but so they don't even know who Loki is. And um, yeah, so who, he who remains is obviously King the Conqueror. You know, Jonathan Majors played him. So, but it's interesting they never mention his name because you know he says he's been he's been called different names and everything like that. Uh, but you know he does say he has been called a conqueror. So uh, that that was something. And then the only thing like after credits it says you know season two or Loki returns season two or something like that. So uh, that's interesting. But the other thing I find interesting is um, like we don't know where Ravona went. You know, because she opened it, she said that you know she was gonna gonna leave or you know find answers or whatever. So it's like, what does that mean? And um, so Kang is supposed to appear next in Ant-Man and the Wasp, but obviously that's going to be an evil version. So um, it's, it's all kind of interesting. And and uh, no idea when season two is going to happen. You know, I don't even know if it's, you know, anything has been written or whatever, then they have to film it and do it, everything like that. So we'll see. We'll see how long it takes. And because um, it doesn't sound like they've started yet since uh what's her name the, the directors you know she's like i don't even know what they have planned or anything so we'll see but i i think that that show was intense and i, I really enjoyed it okay star wars the bad batch season one episode 12 rescue on ryloth so rampart he's talking to champs and doula who's locked up with like the others in imperial prison um it, it's weird that he has them locked up together. Like, you know, Cham and Eleni, his wife, and, and Gobi, they're all in the same prison, which I think they would keep them separate, whatever. But, you know, he so he's locked up for attempting to assassinate his own senator, which obviously he didn't. Uh, and he tells Cham that his followers will be, you know, be dealt with, as will his daughter. And then when Hauser the clone hears this, he it's like he it gets his attention that, you know, they're going to go after Hera. Um, Rampart tells Hauser that he wants all of Syndulla's people gathered and arrested. Hauser tries speaking up about, you know, he's like, I was there. He's like, I know Syndulla didn't try to shoot Senator Tab, but Rampart's like, blah, 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 whatever. Chopper's spying on them um, while Hera's watching from afar. So, she, you know, she's finding out what, like, what's what's going on and what the situation is. Uh, troopers tell Crosshair that they searched the Syndulla house and the daughter, she could be off planet by now. He's like, but not without her parents. Find her. On the clone ship, uh, Omega is trying to fix Gonky, to put the power droid, because his, his main power source won't fully charge. Hunter's like, it's just a defective unit. And then uh, that makes Gonky a little sad, I think. And Omega tries to make it feel better by saying, he's like, oh, don't worry. You know, we're defective, too. Then Tech calls Hunter into the cockpit. They're getting a transmission, but he doesn't recognize the frequency. So it turns out it's Hera calling Omega, telling her that her parents have been taken. Omega... Um, she admits that she she gave Herod a comm channel for emergencies, and she's like, "That sounded pretty urgent." So Hunter's like, "It's a big galaxy. We can't just you know put ourselves on the on the line every time someone's in trouble." And Omega's like, "Why not?" He's like, "Isn't that what soldiers do?" 
So they head back to Ryloth. They they land and are met by Chopper and Hera. Hunter asks, why is the Empire after her? And she says, because her father's Champs and Dula. And Tech's like, oh, the freedom fighter. So, you know, he knows who, who he is. She wants uh, them to free her parents from the capital where they're being held. And she's like, and, you know, my parents can pay you when you're free. And she's like, I don't have anyone else to ask. Hunter's like, he's he, he's like, okay. He's like, but I want to see what we're up against first. He's like, no guarantees. So Rampart talks to his people about Senator Ta. Um, on you know, they're on the way to he he's re- recovering. As they scope things out, Omega sees Crosshair is there too. Tech says that he doesn't like the look of things. You know, with all the troops present, he's like, this is a military occupation. Then there, there's a probe droid scanning them, and Hunter he like zips out. Somehow he like zooms up, gets up up top above it, jumps on it. And stabs it like in its its thing, and it just like falls. Um, but unfortunately, a, a transmission was able to make its way out because then another troop like hands it to Crosshair. You see like a you know video footage of them you know meeting or whatever, so he knows that they're there. Um, Tech finds out that they're all over the Imperial channels now. They know that they're there. They've increased patrols within the city. Hunter says Crosshair will expect an attack. He's like, we've lost the element of surprise, so there's nothing we can do. But Hera's like, I'll pay you double, and he's like. You know, the money is not going to do us any good if we're dead. He's like, it's not worth the risk. And then this kind of upset her. And Omega's like, you shouldn't have said that. She's like, she's just trying to save her family. She's like, I'd do the same for you. And Hunter's like, oh, crap. So Rampart tells Hauser that rounding up some of Sindula's followers isn't good enough. And Hauser's like, you know, if we continue to round up peaceful citizens, it will incite an uprising. And Crosshair um, informs Rampart that Clone Force 99 is on Ryloth. Rampart says that they have a battalion right outside the capital and Crosshair is like, that's not enough. He's like, I know what they're capable of. And then he's like, well, I wonder what you're capable of or, or that's what, what worries me or something. So Omega talks to Hera, says that, you know, Hunter will come around. You know, just just hang on. Hauser goes by the prison cell and Cham's like, so you've chosen your side or you know something like that. Hauser's like, it's like they, you had attacked an Imperial convoy. It's like, what did you think would happen? Then Eleni says, she's like, we had no choice. You know, we have to protect Hera. Hera and Hauser whispers, he's like, that's what I'm trying to do. He's like, he's like, so I need to know where she's at so I can protect her. And Cham's like, just like you swore to protect Ryloth. He's like, I won't make that mistake again. So um, Omega talks to the others about a plan because, you know, she was talking to Hera. She's like, you know the planet, you know, whatever. And it's all about the strategy. Uh, so she says that they should attack the Imperial refinery on the outskirts or something like that. Cause you know, Hera has been spying on them. She knows like the routine, you know, what they, they move everything. Hunter continues with the plan, like knowing where the, like the, the cannon towers are and that they're not manned that they're by remote or something like that. So chopper sneaks in with the other droids to turn off the cannon controls. Um, but chopper can't seem to disable it. So then he gets seen by a couple troopers that are like, hey, you're not supposed to be here. Omega suggests to uh, Harris, like, oh, you've wanted, you want to be a pilot? So they're going to take a, a shuttle to disable the controls. Harris is like very shaky, like take off and everything like that. She bumps into a couple other ships. She shoots the building with the controls. Um, and then they, Chopper is able to fly into the ship as well. Hunter and Echo, meanwhile, free Cham, Eleni, and Gobi. Gobi tells Cham that he's like, he recognized him. He's like, oh, they're mercenaries. He's like, but I didn't hire them for this. And Hunter's like, oh, but Hera did or something like that. Rampart tells Crosshair, he told Crosshair to protect the refinery. But, you know, when they're out there, he tells the troop, he's like, no, stop. He's like, that's not their target. He's like, so he's going to go against his order. They they have an ambush set up um, outside like the, the Capitol building or something like that. And then um, Hauser comes up to them before they go outside from the, you know, where they're being held. 
And he tells them, he's like, you're about to walk in the trap. He's like, there's a squad out there waiting for, for you. And they're not sure if they can trust him or anything. He's like, what the Empire is doing is wrong. He's like, I should have said something earlier. Then Eleni says that, um, then she's like, well, you can't stay because they'll know you helped. And he's like, I can't abandon my, my squad. He's like, I have to try to get through to them. So um, they go out this back door. They're going to take like Senator Taz's shuttle or something like that. And then uh, the doors open. So there's like a squad out there. Um, Crosshair is like off in the distance, like with his sniper gun. And, you know, the, the clone troopers have like the big shields and like their, their blasters. So the doors open and just Hauser comes up and they, they kind of let their guard down a little bit. And then he's like, comes out. He's like, brothers. He's like, what are we doing? We came here to free Ryloth from separatist control and we succeeded. But look around. We're now being ordered to target the very people we swore to protect. He's like, I will not be a part of it any longer. And he throws down his blasters. Crosshair is like, um, he's still watching. Then he's like, who will stand with me? And then, you know, there's a pause. But then other troopers start lowering their shields and dropping their blasters and crosshair is like he already's like have the traitors arrested then um he sees a shuttle goes by so it's uh senator Taz's shuttle takes off so the sindulas are getting ready to leave eleni offers hunter the payment that hera promised and he tells her to keep it he's like you'll need it he's like these occupations are happening on other planets besides ryloth champ says that he's like i thought i fought my in my last war he's like my people need me more than ever Tech showed Hera how to scramble a ship's signature. So Lenny's like, well, we'll soon see how well it works. Hera and Omega say goodbye. And then um, Hera thanks her for believing her. He's like, we'll oh, see you again or something like that. Rampart tells, uh, meanwhile, uh, he tells Crosshair, he's like, I underestimated what your four friends were capable of. Then Crosshair is like, request permissions to hunt them down. And then he's like, hmm, granted. And then there's kind of like a creepy long shot of Crosshair just standing there. It's kind of like taking in. He's like relishing the idea that he's going to get to hunt them. And then that's where it ends. So, uh, I mean, we're at episode 13 now. And I think it's it's working. It's it's going at a good pace. You know, this whole thing, um, you know, it's it's building up. This whole Crosshair versus the, the rest. I mean, that first episode when it happened, that, that was pretty nuts. But I'm, I'm, I'm digging this. And... Uh, even though we get these little like side stories or whatever, but you know, this is kind of important and you know, this is good to see more of Hera and Chopper. And so uh, it's, it's going to be interesting. Like, I, I don't know, again, I, you know, don't try to read up too far in advance or anything. So I don't know what's going to happen in the next episode, but uh, it, it, it feels like um, I, I, I kind of feel like it, may, it might be like another random other episode and not like crosshair coming into contact you know going after him but i could be wrong and maybe crosshair will will catch up to them and they'll have some sort of fight or something but you know there's there's still is it 16 episodes so um we're getting close to the end of the season i think but okay movie feature number one so we got three movie features this week gunpowder milkshake so this is a netflix movie and uh it's it has an interesting cast so you know karen gillen is is the the lead um it also has lena hetty has carla gugino gugino and i don't know why don't i know how to say her name after all these years michelle yo um and angela bassett and also has a paul giamatti in there so there's there's a a good cast in here and um overall it's a it's it was a decent movie um it it wasn't like it didn't completely blow me away, but there's there's a, a bit that I liked about it, and there's there I think there's enough that I liked about it. Um, I'll, I'll I'll 
Well, I guess I'll go into it now. I was going to wait till, till the end. Well, maybe I'll save it for the end. So let me go into a little bit of, of the like the beginning of it. And then um, then I'll, I'll, I won't spoil the whole movie. But so the movie is like, it's like just under two hours. It's like an hour and 54 minutes. It starts off, we see Karen Gill and, you know, she, there's a room full of guys that she, she shot and killed. So her name's Sam. She shoots the last dude or whatever. Um, and she's kind of narrating. She talks about this group of men called The Firm. They've been running things for a long time. Uh, when they need someone to clean up their mess, they send her. And then the doors bust open and there's like a bunch of other guys out there. And she just raises her gun and apparently took them all out as well. She makes it back home. She has a, a milkshake, hence the title, whatever. And then, uh, you know, she eats some some cereal while watching anime. Her arm is like crudely stitched up, and she's like kind of like fixing the, the stitching a little bit, the sewing, whatever. Then some guy Nathan calls her, which is Paul Giamatti, um, asks her to meet her at the diner, and then she's like, "How much trouble am I in?" So at the diner, she there's a milkshake waiting for her, and. Uh, it's what's interesting. I didn't catch it right away, but the there's like a waitress that greets when she walks in. She's like, "Can I lighten your load?" And and she's like, "No, whatever." She's basically well. I'll get into that later. But then it cuts to 15 years earlier, the same diner with the same waitress, and Sam Karen Gillan is supposed to be meeting her mother there, and she, you know she has a, a milkshake there. And she's been waiting. Surprisingly, the milkshake didn't melt or anything because her mom was like three hours late. Sam notices that she's bleeding, so it's a uh, Laura. Uh, Lena Hetty is her mom. She noticed that she's bleeding, and uh, then the, the mom asks if she brought it. So there's this like big book, and there's like a a gun cut into the pages. And the mom's like, "I'm gonna have to disappear for a while." And then uh, and Sam can't go with her. She's like, "Nathan will be here soon to take take care of you." She's like, "I don't want to go with him," but mom says it's complicated. And um, then you know, she, but she's like, you know, what's what's going on? And uh, they, you know, they drink the milkshake together, whatever. And it, one thing that bothered me is like they weren't even drinking because it wasn't even moving, but it would move a little bit. Anyways, so she's like, "How long will you be gone?" And her mom says that you know she has to make a quick uh, phone call, so stay in the booth. So she's sitting there, and then four guys bust in, and one dude sits in in the gets in the booth, and he's like, "Hello, little girl." He has like a Russian accent, and she's like, "My my mom told me not to talk to strangers." Or I, I don't know if she said mommy or something. Then he asks, "If does mommy look like you, but older and more stabby, with my fa- father's blood all over her?" And Sam just says that she doesn't like him, and she pulls out a switchblade, or he pulls out a switchblade, and then he's like, "Enough games! Like where is she?" And she's like, "She says go kiss a pig in Russian," and then he says again, "She's like tell me where she is," and he like puts a blade up to her and he cuts a little like puts a little cut on her cheek, and then um, he looks at the book and he opens it and he sees that it's empty. So uh, the mom is there and she's like, close your eyes, baby girl. And then you hear the sounds of like shooting and guys groaning and everything like that. And then uh, their mom goes out to the car. Sam runs a follow, but some guy, um, Nathan Paul Giamatti, grabs her before she can leave the diner. So in the present, Nathan arrives. And uh, again, the, the waitress asked if she can lighten her, her his load. So uh, that means basically hand your guns over. So this is supposed to be like an assassin's diner. It's a safe haven type of thing. Sounds a little familiar. Um, Nathan asked her, he's like, what the hell happened? And she's like, it was bad intel. He's like, you know, you said four or five guys with pea shooters. And, you know, her, her talents were needed pronto. So someone stole from them. Um, you know, she's like, who would be crazy enough to steal from the firm? And he's like, someone who doesn't know who they are. He's like, they, they stole enough that they'd need her talent. So they need her again for another job. They, they need that money back. 
And then, uh, then Nathan tells her to get rid of her ancient weapons because she's had them forever. So he's like, go get some new ones. Um, so while the guys are dead, some dudes are looking over the body. And he's like, oh, I didn't know my son had a side gig going on. And uh, the guy says that, you know, he's like, no one tell his mother about this. They'll, you know, say that he ran off with some girl. So now he wants to head uh, the guys who did this to his boy. So this guy's like some big, important, evil dude or whatever. So Sam walks into this library. It's a library for assassins, which, again, feels very much like the Continental Hotel in John Wick. Um, Carla Gugino is, is Madeline, the librarian. Um you know, once she, she eventually, you know, brings her in the back, the other ladies like, we don't, you know, let people open new accounts or whatever without a reference. So the library says she had a hunch cause she seemed familiar. Um, it's the other ones, Angela Bassett and Michelle Yell are the other two in, in the back. So when she finally tells him her name is Sam, one of them knows she's like, you're Scarlet's kid. So that's, that's Lena Hetty. Um, so they are like, how is she? And Sam's like, I haven't seen her in 15 years. So they also know that, um, Sam has made quite a reputation for herself. And they, then they, they look at her, all her weapons that she brought. There's like, she, she brings them in this like I heart kittens bag or whatever. And um, so they have guns that are in the classic, in the books that are like cut into the books. So uh, she gets a call to go to a hotel. She walks into the room and uh, she sees the money that was stolen from the firm, like bearer bonds or whatever stuff. They're sitting on a bed. This kid's phone starts ringing. And then this guy walks out of the bathroom and he's like, I have to answer the phone. And she's holding a gun to him. She's like, no, you need to walk away. He's like, I, I, I was like, I have to. And she shoots him. She's like, shoots him in the gut. And there's like a lot of blood that comes out from like one bullet. He still answers the phone. And then the guy's like, you have one hour to deliver the money or your daughter won't see her ninth birthday. She just leaves with the money. But then she, she turns around and brings the guy to the hospital. But it's an assassin hospital. So she wants a doctor to patch him up. She's like, I'll be back in 10 minutes. He's like, it's not possible. He's like, maybe not ever. He might not survive. So just from one, one, one bullet. So she calls Nathan. She's like, change the plan. She's like, they kidnapped a little girl. And, you know, she's like, I'll get you. I'll get her. Then bring the money. And he's like, he's like, I, you shouldn't do It's like, if you, you screw up, he's like, they'll, they'll put out a kill order on her. So that's basically where the movie goes from there. So she's trying to um, save this kidnapped eight-year-old girl um from who whose father she shot and is on his deathbed and you know she has this money and then you know she has to fight all these other guys and you know things just kind of get get worse and worse now she first goes to you know to a bowling alley to where she's supposed to do the exchange but she's has to go to another place after this but the, the firm sent three guys after her because uh, you know she has the money and she's not going according to what their plan is, so they're supposed to basically get the money but not use a you know final or draft. What what am I looking for? Not um they're not supposed to kill her, but they're just supposed to like you know fight her or whatever and you know just to get the money. So she puts up a fight. The fight in the bowling alley. So it's it's Sam versus three dude. It's it's important because it shows what she's capable of. You know she's taking on these three basically as i'm assuming they're assassins or whatever but there are parts of it that just kind of bothered me where it felt like the choreograph was off a little bit like it was a little slow um but so i, I want to i'm at this point I, I forgot how far into the movie you were i'm kind of like is is this what the movie is going to be like because you know it's it's like setting things up and you know you already got the the kind of john wick vibe going on 
but the, the fights do get a, a little 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 better um actually there's there's like another fight where sam's arms she gets injected in both her arms and and her arms go numb they won't work so she has to like fight her way out of, of this situation and it's almost like a comical fight it, it is um it, it is kind of I, I don't know if i'd say innovative you know with, with what they're they're able to you know accomplish and and stuff but uh it, it it was it was a, a little silly at times. There's another fight at the library, which, which is um, it was a little, not not so so interesting. No, I mean not not interesting. It wasn't so bad. It was a uh, it, was, it was a little better. And then there's another fight later, which is um, it's a it's a shorter fight. It's like really slow motion, but it was it was kind of interesting. So I I like the cast, and um, I could see there being a sequel if any of them survive. That's all I'll say. And uh. Yeah, so it like I said, it wasn't. I wouldn't say it was like a perfect movie or anything like that, but I, I think that there is enough interesting elements that that kind of made it entertaining in in a way, even though there are some similarities to other things. But but I I kind of liked it, and uh, I don't know. I like I said, w- I mean, would I want to watch it again anytime soon? Probably not. I'd, I'd rather if I was gonna just randomly watch an, an action movie that I've already seen. I'd probably be like, oh, I should probably watch a John Wick movie again because I haven't watched those in, in a little while. So, but then you know that's a little different because I just saw this. But I, I, if there was, I, I wouldn't mind there being a sequel. You know, it's it's not not at the top of my list of of desires or anything like that. But I, I would watch it if there was another one. I'll just say so. You know, check that out. You know, find out what happens and you know how it ends and what's what's going to go on from there. So. um it, it was like I said. It, it was it was a decent movie. It was, it was pretty good. Oh, and uh, apparently, so I, I remember I, I almost forgot to say this. That I guess back in I think it was like April or maybe it was like May. Um, I think Deadline. It was Deadline. I, f- I forgot. Uh, I just looked it up. They apparently they are working on a sequel. So okay, that that's that's cool. Um, I I forgot about that. And. Um, I guess according to Wikipedia, it had a thirty million dollar budget, but I don't know how these Netflix movies work and how they're successful. So it's a thirty million dollars. How you know? How do you make your money back? And and you know, obviously there's if you you know release it on Blu-ray and you know you know I, I think it was screened. Um, the, the Karen Gillan posted a picture on her Instagram, you know, at a, at a premiere, but that might've been just like a one night premiere thing. You know, I don't know if other theaters are, are showing it or not or whatever. So I don't know how these movies make money. Obviously like with stranger things, you know, you have all that merchandise. I don't think there's necessarily going to be a lot of, uh, you know, gunpowder milkshake, uh, merchandise going on, but, um, I don't, I don't know. So we'll see. So like I said, I, I, I would definitely, I, w- I would watch a sequel. Okay, for the second movie feature, we have Escape Room, Tournament of Champions. So, like I said, this is uh, the sequel to the 2019 movie, and uh, like the the two survivors, they they're back um, to to do you know in the, the same roles. And um, I have to say, I I enjoy these these movies. They're they're not um, 
they're not super like complicated or anything. You know, you don't have to do a lot of thinking or anything. But what I do like and what I do appreciate that they have to do, you know, especially for the sequel, is when they design all these different traps in a room. Because so the premise is, in case you're not aware and you don't remember listening to the first one or you didn't listen to it, is basically you know these people go into an escape room, but it turns out to be like you know life or death thing, and these are like full scale like elaborate death trap rooms where you have to try to you know work your way out but you escape one room and then you're into another trap so then you need to figure out how to escape that room and and so forth until you know there's like a survivor at the end and um so what what i what i can appreciate is is how they have to basically they have to kind of like one up everything they did in the first movie you know they have to come up with with new crazy and intense and over the top you know not really over the top but they need to come up with all these different ways to just shake things up and and i'll admit you know it's it's a silly movie in 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 that regard you know like the whole premise and stuff like that but i there's times where you're watching it you know you're kind of on edge or on the edge of your seat you know like are they going to make it what's going to happen because you know as there's a group of people it's not just the, the two returning people you know they if you watch the trailer you know that there's like other people that get into this new that's why it's tournament of champions so they're not all safe you know people are, are definitely going to die and stuff like that but what i also liked about this movie is is they do um throw in like a a couple twists that you know i admit i didn't see coming and um i don't want to spoil this like one thing that i thought was like like pretty kind of huge you know something i, I didn't expect but i was like wow so uh it, it's pretty cool in in that way like the, the stuff that they do and um so what what it starts off is uh the the main character Zoe, you know, she's um she's uh feeling, you know, she has some guilt for for surviving, you know, her and uh Ben, you know, they they, be, they become friends and everything. And if at the end of the last movie, you know, they they figured out the coordinates where the evil corporation Minos where they're supposedly their headquarters is. It's in uh you know, they're able to put the logo on a map or something like that. And I forget how they knew the exact right size map or whatever, but they had the coordinates in New York City where they, they think that it's supposed to be there. Now, what's interesting is that the way the first movie ends, they get on a plane. And then the plane turns out to be like another escape room, and then it, it's about to crash. This movie doesn't pick up from there, so I was like, "Wait, what happened to the plane?" Now, unfortunately, I haven't seen the movie in probably close to a couple years. I, I did watch it again, I think, after I saw it in the theaters. So there's one thing I there there there's probably an explanation as to what happened to the plane thing from the first movie, but I I I don't want to get into that because. That could be spoilers or whatever. So basically, Zoe and uh, Ben, you know, she she has this, Zoe has this big fear of flying, and as as we saw in the first movie, but then uh, you know, and she's talking to like a therapist and everything, and you know, she wonders if the therapist believes her about this evil corporation and everything like that. And uh, but it's like her therapist is really trying to push her into you want just do you know you just need to do it just get on a plane you know just. You know, it's like, like, what's it going to take to get you on that plane, you know, just to overcome her fear? She decides to do it, but I thought she said she was going to do it. I was like, oh, maybe here's the, here's the plane part. But no, they, they end up driving there. So we have all that. They go to the location, just to give this away, because you, you kind of see, like, parts of it in the trailer. 
it's an abandoned building there's really nothing there and and she's just like she's like we got to go she like there's you know chain link fence is the kind of cut a little bit so she just goes in there ben has to follow her and then there's like some junkie dude there he's like oh you shouldn't be here or whatever and, and something like that and then he grabs uh zoe's like purse or something like that and it has like her mom's compass necklace thing or whatever so they start chasing him like across the city and everything like that both are like running after him and then he like runs through to like the the subway and stuff like that and then that's how they get on the subway which you see on a trailer the subway it turns out where they're in it basically it was all a plan to lure them to that subway car there's other people in the subway car Again, this is all stuff that you see in a trailer. And these are all former champions or former winners from different uh, escape rooms. So they're trapped in this subway car and then it just it kind of goes from there. You know, obviously, maybe all of them are going to get out of the subway car and then it just goes from there, you know, to next trap, next trap, next trap. So there's some, like I said, there's, there's some pretty like big um, traps that, you know, they had to outdo what they did in the first one. And overall, the whole thing is silly. I think the current, it's like, what, what, what's the point of all this? You know, why is this happening? And I know we're not really supposed to worry so much about that. But they, there is a mention, I think, that basically, you know, people are watching this, you know, because there's cameras everywhere. So I think the idea is like, okay, so now we have all these champions or whatever, you know, people watch this. Because it's, it's probably all about a gambling thing. That must be how Minos is making their money to, I mean, how do you fund all these crazy big, you know, traps and everything like that so most likely what they do is they get like the super powerful you know sick and twisted people to place bets like who do they think is going to win and especially now that you have this tournament of champions so you know people are probably aware of who all, all you know they've probably seen the other whatever battles and and stuff like that, or escape not battles so now they, they can you know really make a decision who they think will survive and stuff like that so that's probably like what the the mo- motives are behind all of this is you know they're they're trying to basically just make money because otherwise how how can you afford this? So in some ways the movie it's it's kind of like Saw but like on a different level where Saw is just like more intimate you know so like smaller and more gruesome. This you know there there's there's I I, I wouldn't say what is this movie rated? I don't think it's rated R, but. It's not like they're not super graphic, you know, obviously like, you know, people are dying, but some of the deaths like, you know, you don't really see or they're not, not that bad. So I don't know what, what the movie is rated. I don't feel like looking it up. Um, I just have the Wikipedia page open and it doesn't say, I don't think I, like I said, I enjoyed the movie. Uh, they, they kind of, they kind of leave it where obviously there, there could be another one. Should there be another one? Part of me is like, sure, you know, I, I'd see it again, but you know, it's it's gonna it's gonna tread into becoming redundant if if they're not careful, because you know we, we do um, kind of see find out you know things kind of kind of get elevated to a different you know level. There's a little other stuff going on, but then it's just like, well, you know, what does that really mean and and so forth. And and I'm trying to be vague, and I know that that might be annoying, but. Um, I, th- I think it could be possible, and and there was an interesting twist, like I said, that I didn't see coming. So you know that that was cool as well. So I would say you know if, if you saw the first one, I, I would I would definitely recommend seeing this. Um, I I would say of the three movies, I probably like this one most. 
and uh, yeah, I'll, I'll talk about Space Jam in, in just just a moment. But I I I like this, and while you know it's just silly, it's kind of ridiculous and everything like that. But it's it's just like easy to just lose yourself in a movie and just you know watch this. And and I don't know if it's different because I saw this movie in the theaters and I saw um, Gunpowder Milkshake and Space Jam at home, where you know it's easier to get distracted, I guess. But I don't know. I I, I think I I enjoyed this more. Um, despite it, it being silly and, and, and stuff like that. But I, I think it, it worked for, for what it needed to do. So the budget of the movie is apparently $15 million. Um, I don't know how well it's going to do in the box office. You know, things are just so so kind of sketchy right now. Um, I think I think it's only made like maybe like $5 million or something like that. So I don't know how these movies are doing these days since you know, people are still hesitant to go to the theaters. You know, some people are refusing to get vaccinated and there's people are getting, you know, it's just, it's a mess. So just be careful. And I'm always hesitant when I go, but uh, luckily when I go to the theater, you know, the theaters aren't packed, which is a bad thing for the, for the movies and for the theater. But what's nice is that, you know, you're definitely spread apart. You're definitely socially distanced. And I always like sit in the back, like in the aisle seat. So, you know, I don't have anyone like on both sides of me, you know, like it's like all around me or whatever. So it's, um, I, I, I enjoyed it. So I, I went to Friday afternoon. I just saw the movie. It was, it's a, it was a nice escape to get, get away and go out to the movie. I had fun. So I, I definitely recommend the movie. Okay. And now our last um, whatchamacallit, last feature, is Space Jam A New Legacy. <laughs> and, uh, um, this movie was not great. <laughs> it was, it was not good. And part of it, I mean, it, it's, it's hard to say. The reviews are horrible. Uh, I went on IMDb and everyone's like, they were tearing it apart. I'm always hesitant with those because, you know, you never know if someone has a, a different a, agenda. I know a lot of people don't like LeBron James and, and a lot of the, these reviews, uh, were, were like, I have, I have this one friend who really doesn't like him. And I was like, did he like kick your puppy or something? He's like, why don't you like him? Uh, but, but apparently a lot of people don't like him. I'm not like super, you know, into basketball. So I don't know how people feel one way or the other. And, um, but as I'm watching this movie, you know, parts of me were like, why, why am not, why am I watching this movie? It was more like, why is this movie made? And I, I did, uh, because I, I watched Space Jam, the original, because it was on HBO Max. So I, I watched that earlier uh, in the week, just to, just like to, to have the comparison and, and go back over, you know, between how the first one was compared to this one. And, and one thing is weird. There's like no mention of the previous one, you know, and whatever. That That's not a big deal. But I think the problems and, you know, the big complaint that everyone has is that this is just like a giant ad for all of Warner Brothers properties. Okay, maybe, whatever. And I'll admit, you know, part of me kind of enjoys a little, little different mentions, Easter eggs or homages or, you know, characters popping in. I'm kind of okay with that. I mean, just like with Ready Player One, where I feel like that, you know, it was a, a, lar- a lot of that there. So that's fine. Um, so people, you know, people compl- were complaining about that. But also, it's like a two-hour movie, which seems weird for like a kid's movie. I mean, usually you, you don't go over an hour and a half, you know, if you want to keep the kids' attention. But to do that extra half hour, that, that makes like a huge difference. So that that was weird right there. The, then more, uh, before I get into some of the movie, 
it just sometimes you know that the characters feel a little off you know they they don't and this is the same thing with like the first space jam where it's like the the looney i love looney tunes you know i obviously like like many i watched them growing up and and you know i just have a deep fond and um recollection and you know just you know just just watching them you know it's been great and you know i love the fact that my daughter was into them as well and you know we watched lots of them and so sometimes the characters feel a little off and I'm, I'm willing to accept that to, for, you know, try to forgive that or overlook it or whatever. But sometimes you're just reminded and it's like, that doesn't seem like, you know, so-and-so. So, uh, what happens in a movie? So l- let me go through just a bit, uh, the beginning. And then, um, yeah, I'm not going to spoil the whole movie. It starts off similar to the first space jam. We see little LeBron, um, his mom's talking to him, you know, she, her shifts not over till nine. So she's going to be late picking him up. She's not gonna be able to make it to his game. So we're in 1998, Arkham, Ohio. Um, I think his friend fixed his game boy or something like that. So he's playing this Looney Tunes game. And then, um, the, the coach, uh, he's like, what are you doing? Or whatever like that, you know? And then, uh, they, they played a game. They end up losing by one point and, you know, LeBron should have made the last, he missed the last shot that would have put, put them over. The coach tells him that, you know, it's just, he wasn't focused because he, he, you know, was playing video games or something like that. He's, and he's, he's saying, you know, you could be a once in a lifetime talent if you concentrate and you know, like all this stuff like that. So then little LeBron throws a game boy in the trash. And then like through opening credits, we see highlights of LeBron's career, blah, 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 all that stuff like that. Then it's a present day in Los Angeles, the, the James resident, um, so his his son Dom is is playing this video game, and he plans on going to this E three design camp the next weekend. And you know he's he's with his his brother LeBron because they, they have like a full on basketball court, obviously like on the property. So LeBron um, comes out and he goes on and on because he's not giving it his all on the court. You know he's like distracted. Um, you know he's his older brother does a shot whatever, and he he's able to make it because he's putting into work and he's good. And LeBron um, says that, you know, he has basketball camp next weekend. He's like, um, and, but he doesn't tell him that, that, you know, he, he has the the E3 camp that same weekend. You know, he, he wants to tell his dad, but he's, he's afraid to tell him basically like that. So, you know, he, he keeps saying that, uh, you know, you, you can't be great without putting in the work or something like that. Cause you know, he's like about to walk off the court and he says that. So he turns around, he's going to come in and then mom comes out and it's like dinner, you know, whatever. Um, oh, and she's with their, their daughter. I have a little, little girl. So, uh, then later, uh, LeBron's wife says that she's worried that he's pushing Dom too hard. You know, she's like, do you talk to him about anything other than basketball? She's like, he's 12. He built his own video game. He's like, yeah, whatever. You know, I, 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 we talk about, you know, at the Warner brothers lot in the server verse. So Don Cheadle is this, uh, computer. He's in a computer world. And you know, he says that he searched far and wide for the perfect partner for launch, LeBron James. So he's he's uh, algae um, rhythm al- algorithm algorithm whatever is his name. He's stuck inside the the server verse, and you know no one knows who he is or uh, what he he's capable of. All this stuff like that. So they're about to launch something today. You know Warner Brothers is going to launch something. So today's his day to shine, and LeBron is a key element to the whole operation. So Dom goes into, or LeBron goes into Dom's room and uh, he's like, what are you doing? Cause he's working on, on his, his game. It's, it's like a basketball game. It's like, but it's like a, 
So he's like, show, he, LeBron asks him what he's doing. He shows it to him. He's like, it's like basketball, but better. And, you know, it's for fun. He's like, remember fun? So basically you do basketball, but there's kind of like style points and like just kind of like crazy physics and stuff like that. But the game glitches and he loses his character. He's like, man, it's going to take you a week to rebuild or something like that. Then LeBron talks to him about setbacks and you have to push, you know, push through it if you're passionate and something like that. And uh, then he's like, I tell it, you know, he's like, I got this thing on the Warner Brothers lot. He's like, you should come with me, whatever. So he's at a pitch meeting. Um, the algorithm, what they call it, has the idea. So I guess this computer AI came up with this idea. So it gives them the detail. Um, they, they call it, uh, oh, and uh, Sarah Silverman and Stephen Yoon, they're ex- Warner Brothers executives. So they're So basically, this idea is called Warner Brothers 3000. And the idea is to put LeBron in anything. You know, they could, LeBron and Batman, Game of Thrones, Harry Potter, uh, whatever. And then, you know, LeBron, he's like, this isn't really me. He's like, you know, it's like, I can't really take time away from the game. And then he's like, you know, I'm going to be straight up. It's like, this is a bad idea. He's like, you know, the algorithm is bad. And then uh, Dom starts, you know, thinking, talking about how it's the algorithm is cool. And, he, you know, he, he starts saying, and they're like, yeah, you think so? And he's like, yeah, you know, I'm going to the design camp and everything. And LeBron's like, wait, you can't go to the, the, the design camp. He's like, you have basketball camp that weekend or whatever. So then algorithm is is ticked off that LeBron rejected him. And, uh, you know, so he's going to get his revenge against him. Dom ends up leaving the room, like the, the boardroom, and then LeBron has to go after him. He's like, hey, I called you. He's like, come back here. They're like talking in the elevator. And he's like, he's like, you make me hate basketball. And he's like, what? What are you talking about? So the, the elevator ends up taking him to a server room, whatever. And then they, they go through it. They end up getting sucked into the game, obviously. And then uh, Don Cheadle, Cheadle appears. <laughs> and, and LeBron's like, the computer's black. <laughs> And Dom's like, yeah, I, I saw that, whatever. So uh, basically, algorithms, he's, he's, and then Dom kind of disappears. He's off somewhere. He's like, you know, the only way you're going to get your son back is by playing a little game called basketball. He's like, we're going to put on a show in front of the largest audience ever, all of LeBron's followers. He's like, then the algorithm will be able to step out of the shadow. He's like, if you win, he's like, you can leave with your son. He's like, but when you lose, you'll have to stay in the server verse forever. So uh, he has to go go find a team. He goes uh, past like other Warner Brothers property, or whatever you know. You see, there's like these other worlds, like Harry Potter world and Matrix world and, and stuff like that. And then uh, he ends up he he lands on Toon World and he he finally meets Bugs Bunny. So Bugs Bunny is like the only one in Toon World because other people have been like uh, persuaded to go elsewhere for different things. So it's kind of sad in a way, but they they go different ways. So uh, you know, LeBron, he wants to get like Superman and King Kong and, you know, like all, all these people on her, her team. But, you know, Bugs Bunny has other ideas. So like one place they go to, which is, was kind of um, fun, they go to And here's going to be a minor spoilers because I don't know if you're going to actually watch this movie or you should. But they go to a DC world. And because uh, when they go to these different planets, because uh, uh, like on Harry Potter world, Le- LeBron, he was like Hufflepuff. I knew it or something like that. I think it was Hufflepuff. So he, then when they go to DC World, he's like, oh, I can't wait to see, you know, who I am here. And they're Batman and Robin. Bugs Bunny is Batman and LeBron is, is Robin. But as they're, they're driving, they're chasing this runaway train. And you see, like, other people, there's, like, um, Superman animated series, like Clark Kent, Lois, and Jimmy. And then they, as the train goes, like, through Gotham, there's, like, the Red Skies, like, in Batman animated series or whatever. And then uh, Daffy and Porky are there, and I won't say anything more about them. 
Um, they they go after Roadrunner and Wiley e. Coyote, and they're like in this Mad Max world, which is a uh, <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Whatever. Um, and here again, spoiler: Elmer Fudd is in Austin Power World as Mini Me, and then uh, Rick and Morty even show up. There's like a little tiny thing. Uh, Granny and Speedy are in the Matrix world, and then Lola Bunny. She's going through the trials to become an Amazon. And uh, as she's doing this, they do like the music from the Wonder Woman movie or whatever. One of the little things that uh, I guess is something I should mention now. So Wonder Woman, I mean, it was it was a, a cool design and everything like that. You know, it was a little different. But she was voiced by Rosario Dawson. You know, Rosario Dawson's cool and everything like that. You know, but why didn't they get Susan Eisenberg? And, you know, maybe she wasn't available or whatever. But here, here's the thing what these movies do some days or these days, they take the like Hollywood actor and put them into the, you know, they have them do the voiceovers. So, and, you know, often they, they do a great job. You know, they, they should be able to do a great job. But you have like um, specific voice actors who that is their pure, that's their, that's what they do. And they do it like so much better, you know, they know how to put all their, you know, channel their whole performance into their voice versus when you're an actor, it takes everything. So, and that, that's the other thing, you know, I know a lot of people, you know, there was all the controversy over Lola Bunny that she was voiced by Zendaya. And I'll admit when you watch it, it's like, that's all that it, it's like, wait, I'm, that's not Lola. That's Zendaya as a rabbit, as a bunny or whatever. So it's, it's a, and I, I get why they do it. They do it for the, the the draw. You know, you can say, "Oh, this this actor is whatever is in this you know is voicing this character. Come see the movie. You know, you like the actor in all these other movies. You're gonna like to hear their voice, even though the, the characters look nothing like them. But you know, it's their, their. So it's it's just a little different because it's like the voice actors are sometimes they they they'll tweak it a little bit. You know, and I'll, I'll admit, like with the the DC animated movies, when they you know get some you know regular actors and I, I don't mean regular when they get actors to do these roles they they sometimes like with the what's his name the supernatural guy who was batman in long halloween i kept forgetting that was him because it, it he was doing a batman impression or voice and it sounded good so he did a good job there but like with zendaya and nothing against her zendaya i think she's an awesome person i mean she's she's very talented extremely talented but it's just sounded like zendaya as lola bunny and uh I, I looked on the IMDb um, trivia, and it said that the 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 actress, the the voice actress who did Lola in Space Jam, actually recorded all the parts. But then for some reason they decided not to use it, and they got Zendaya. I don't know if that's true. I tried looking it up, and I I didn't find any mention of that. I didn't dig that deep, but I, I don't know if that that's true or not. So it's whatever it is what it is that's just the nature of it but it's 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 unfortunate in a way so it's it's just a little distracting is what it is you know not that there are horrible performances or anything like that but it's just sometimes it's just like wait a minute so it, it goes from there and uh there was one part that that did crack me up and obviously okay so i mentioned that there is no reference to the first space jam kind of wrong in a way there's there's sort of there's like a michael jackson or not michael jackson there's a michael jordan moment scene and where i i love that part and it is it's just great i don't want to spoil it because if i spoil it it's it's not gonna it's not gonna be as good as, as if you actually and you may not watch it but if you do watch it you'll totally i 
I love that that scene. That was my favorite part of the movie. That made up for it. The the, the characters do turn 3D at the end when they're when the game comes on and um, and as far as the game, it's because it, the game is kind of similar to Dom's game, so it's not regular basketball. It's this very freaky stylized anything goes, like almost like cheating rules are allowed. So you have all that, but um, the 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 movie is just. Yeah, it's just just kind of crazy. The budget is 150 million. I don't know how how it's going to do in theaters. Um, because this is the thing, you know, it's it's on HBO Max for a month, and then you know, then it goes off to like video on demand and stuff like that. But I don't know. It just it just felt very long. And there's yeah, I I don't know what it would have been like if I was in the theaters because I you know I felt myself like kind of getting a little distracted like you know again where's my phone or what I, I'm gonna get up oh I'm gonna pause this and go g- grab something to eat or do this or you know oh wait I you know I got an alert on my phone pause okay what's going oh it's an email okay no not a big deal and, you know so it's just it's just easier to do that versus if I was watching another movie at home you know I probably wouldn't do that as much so I was just easier to get distracted and um you know i can imagine what it would be like for kids and it's just there was a i don't know and uh the thing with like you know i i think everyone just loved michael jordan um lebron james i i don't really like i said i don't follow the game that much at all so i know who he is and like i know he's been mentioned several times on how i met your mother (laughs) but it just seems weird it's like i i know he's or I'm assuming he's a very talented basketball player as you know, you see from the different footage and all that, but I don't feel like, and I could be totally wrong. I don't feel like he's like on the same level as Michael Jordan. So it's, it's a little different. LeBron James, he's not an actor just like Michael Jordan. Wasn't an actor. Did I say Michael Jordan before? Not Michael Jackson, Michael Jordan, no Michael Jackson at all. Michael Jordan. So it's, it just seems different where, you know, a movie with Michael Jordan and, you know, Bugs Bunny or Looney Tunes movie with Michael Jordan is a stretch, but, a movie with LeBron James, I I just uh, you know again I'm like why and you know maybe it'd be different if if I was more into him or you know whatever, but it's just and you know the the visuals were slick and you know everything like that everything's updated you know, but it was just okay you know I I definitely will not be watching this again anytime soon if it was nice to see how a little like at the basketball game there's the a lot of cameos in the audience and but yeah so it might be worth it to watch you know i i would say you know if if you like looney tunes at all if you watch the first space jam maybe you should watch it at some point if you have hbo max i would say definitely watch it if you don't have hbo max i would say it depends on on how much you like Looney Tunes and if you like basketball or LeBron James. Otherwise, I would say you could wait. You know, it, it was it was not great. I didn't hate it as much as like some of the reviewers did. Uh, and, you know, like I said, I, I liked some of the, the, the references to other products, I, uh, whatever. So maybe I'm, I'm a little, you know, on the outskirts or whatever because of that. But it was just, yeah. So, um and, and and be perfectly honest, the only reason that's the main uh, feature is that probably has the biggest name recognition. You know, people, when you hear Space Jam, whether you like it or hate it, you know what it, what it is. And if I had um, Escape Room as the headliner for this episode, people might be like, what? So, so that is going to be it 
for this week's episode. It feels like it's been longer than three hours. Um, big shout out to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash G-Man from heck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. And if you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. And I'm currently talking about the vision quest storyline from the 1989 West coast Avengers uh, story, West coast Avengers series by written and drawn by John Byrne. So it's uh, really good stuff. And I, I haven't read it in years, probably since then. So I'm, I'm enjoying getting into it again. But if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash gman for mech and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or five. And that is ko-fi.com slash gman from heck. Oh, one thing I forgot to mention, I wanted to mention earlier. There's a comic that um, that you should look into kind of supporting. Um, it's called Remember Andy Xenon. So it is X-E-N-O-N. It's um it's on uh, Zoop, which is kind of it's it's not really like a Kickstarter thing, but it's you know it it I think it requires like like funding in order to happen. It's uh written by uh, Tom Pinchuk. You might remember him from from Comic Vine and Anime Vice. So um, I see. I don't know how much I I can say about about this, but um, just do a search for Remember Andy Xenon X E N O N. Uh, it launches Monday, so you might not. Depending again when when you hear this, you can. Um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to put a post up about this, and um, I don't know if I should mention this one part, but there's gonna be like a, a pretty cool cameo in it that that um, I th- I think is is pretty cool. So you'll you'll definitely be hearing about that or whatever. So um, it's it's a it's I'm I really like the concept and uh, I I think it's it's going to be cool and I, I think you should support it. So look that up. Um, and again, I should have mentioned it earlier. Um, as far as next week, um, I'm not quite sure what I, I definitely we're gonna have Snake Eyes, uh, Joe Origins. That that's gonna be probably the, the main movie feature. Um, old is also coming out next week. So that's M night Shyamalan. I don't know if I'll get a chance to see that. I might see both, but I'm, I'm definitely seeing GI Joe. I don't know if old old might be pushed to the following week, but the following week is also jungle cruise. So the following week might be both. It might be old and jungle cruise. You know, it might be a week late or whatever, a week and a half late. Um, also I'll probably talk about, uh, fear streets, part two and three, you know, I, I don't have, I won't, there's not a whole lot to say about it, but, uh, so I haven't seen three yet. Um, I'm probably going to watch it maybe later today. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll give some thoughts on, on that. And, um, and then the rest of the, the, no Loki, but you know, we, we have the other shows and everything. So, on that note, thank you for listening. Thank you. Um, I, I appreciate you know if you're helping out, if you're supporting the show. I hope you are doing well. It's, we're like what in the middle of summer. Oh, we also have Comic Con at home is happening this coming week, so maybe there'll be some information about that. I, I don't really know what to expect from there, but I hope things are going well for you. I hope um, your life isn't too too crazy, 
And I, so I hope you're doing well. And I hope you especially remember to be good to each other.